My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? can confidently say if I had never been drawn to crystals, I may not be here today. The name Mystic Mark comes from my first venture in owning my own business. I was a two days drive from home and needed to sell some of my handmade wire wraps to get enough gas to make it back east. Since then, I've gathered many crystals and made many more wire wraps. I have always felt the impact my relationship with crystals and I've seen how their influence has guided me into a greater awareness. Here to help us all expand our awareness is Tarrant Firestride aka Jeff Hunt aka the Mad Hatter, a man who has used crystals in conjunction with his knowledge of hermetic science to overcome addiction and increase his vitality and abundance on all levels. I'm Mystic Mark, and thank you for listening to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with the Mad Hatter. When it comes to crystals and their energy is understanding that and believing that these are uh, like living conscious, these are, these are beings, you know, and you can do whatever you want with that as far as you know, there are people believe if in titans or whatever, and these being pieces of petrified organisms that lived a long time ago, or just that the earth is alive, right? Which is a, a big part of it for me is that I, I believe that this plane that we're on is a living, conscious, sentient being, and that everything here is is conscious to some extent. And these crystals have the ability to tell you what they what they want from you, right? And it, we just need to learn to listen and I think that we're taught to kind of to humanize and rationalize things and we're taught that you know a rock talking to us is could be very silly but when you understand computers and that basically all of the technology whether it's your hard drive or your processors or your your tv or any of this these this is all crystal technology you know which is kind of what started the ball rolling for Marcel Vogel was that he realized that if he can put energy and information into a crystal with a computer and the human mind or the human brain is just an organic supercomputer then why couldn't he do the same thing with his brain
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mystic Mark, or Mark Palmer. I don't know. I've been calling myself either one, and I feel a lot like Mystic Mark today because this man sitting in front of me is someone who shares my appreciation for crystals. He goes by the Mad Hatter on Instagram. His name is Jeff. What started you on this journey? Give us a little window into your life. Yeah, man. Long story real short. I was raised very, I mean, orthodox, I guess is a good word. Half of my family was very Christian and the other half, my stepdad was very Mormon. And so like, I was kind of expected to be both depending on which family I was around and who, who I was talking to, which was very confusing. I had to go to church a lot when I was a kid and that just never, I never felt like I was, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's not like I, I, didn't like to be there. I just am the type of person that for me to understand something like it, whether it's a, a, a system, uh, like whether it's a roofing system or whether it's a religious system or whatever it is, like I have to be able to ask questions and kind of understand how that fits into my perspective. And once I understand something like I can, I can move forward with it, but I have a hard time participating in something that I can't wrap my head around. And usually questions is how I establish that. Um, which was not acceptable at Sunday school. You know, I remember my grandma just being super embarrassed more than once from me getting separated from the group for, for asking questions. And it was just like, this is, this is the way that it is. And we, we don't ask questions about this. It doesn't matter why this is just the way that it goes. And that just never sat well with me. There was a lot of abuse and a lot of trauma in my childhood, a lot of which came from my stepdad. And I think that I kind of put spirituality in general in a box with, with, with the trauma and just with my childhood and all of that. I left home at a very young age. I was, it was just before my 16th birthday. And I kind of just ran from all that. I didn't want anything to do with authority or, or, or spirituality or structure or anything. And I was kind of just it's a little crazy, man. I I had a definitely had a pill problem for a long time. And as those got harder to get and everyone that I knew kind of started doing heroin, I went the alcohol way and got real deep into that. And October 3rd was three years or October 2nd, excuse me, was three years for me and um, away from alcohol. And congratulations, um, man. Appreciate that. I was when I, when I quit drinking, I was I was down at about a half gallon a day plus beer. I mean, I went to work with shots in my pocket. And it, it was, it was a bad deal, you know? And I just, I couldn't figure out how to be happy or, or comfortable in my experience or in my skin. And I kind of woke up and learning about a Saturn return a couple years after this kind of made it make a little bit more sense, but I just woke up one day and I was over it. You know, I realized I was in the exact same position that I was in when I was 15 years old. I made really good money, but I wanted to quit at two o'clock every day and get drunk, you know, and then I woke up and felt bad the next day. And so the only thing that made me feel better was to drink more, you know, and it was just this perpetual cycle and there was no growth. So I made some major changes, man. I got out of the relationship that I was in. I started searching for something bigger that I needed purpose, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know where to find that. And I, I, it took me a year to figure out that I had no clue who I was whatsoever, right? Like I had always, whatever I did was based on what my girlfriend wanted or what I thought I was supposed to do. Like I had no idea what I was interested in or what made me happy or, or why I was the way that I was or anything. And so that, that was a one year process was just learning that I, I had no clue who I was 
or what I wanted. And then it took me a year from there to figure out that that was okay to not know who I was or not know what I wanted, you know? And then it took me like another year to kind of figure out what I was interested in and and who I was and what I wanted. And, and I stumbled on crystals and, and hermeticism were probably the two things that, that really changed the most in my experience. But I kind of had this realization that like, I'm not a human being having a spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And that just kind of restructured everything for me. And finding hermeticism and and alchemy was a way for me to take accountability for the position that I was in, which was huge for me. I played the blame game for most of my life. It was like, well, I was dealt a bad hand as a kid, I had a bad childhood, or it's this person's fault that I'm here. It's this person's fault. And learning the principles and working the principles really helped me kind of realize that I was where I was at because of choices that I had made, you know, and it made me want to start finding out how to, how to change that and kind of realizing that my vibrations dictated my experience, right? Made me want to learn about how to alter my vibrations. And crystals was a very useful, and that made sense to me, which is is kind of funny because if you tell somebody that carrying a rock in their pocket is going to change the way that the universe interacts with them, that sounds, it sounds pretty silly. But for me, it was like, I, I ended up with a, with a crystal and I was, I was kind of going through some, some stuff. And I noticed that like carrying this thing made me feel different, you know? And then I realized I was carrying it a lot. And then I realized it was in my pocket all the time. And then I realized like it, it didn't click that that's what I was doing for a little while. And then it did. And it just made me dive into it head first. And I wanted to experience all this. And I, I mean, I read everything that I could find on crystals. I started working with basically every crystal I could afford to get my hands on, which made me start. Once I, I got a little deeper into Island where this crystal I can feel here, you know, and this crystal I can feel here. And so it kind of led me to the, the chakra system and in my energetic body. And it just, it just kind of spiraled man and snowballed into this thing where like all of a sudden I was an alchemist, you know, and I, I, I took control of my experience and I, I, I kind of, I transmuted my experience from something that was not only unfavorable, but like, you know, something I, I, I realized one day, I was like, I had two thoughts every morning when I woke up. And the first one was like, man, I woke up, right. That's, that's too bad. And, and then the second thought was like, how am I going to drink today? Because I'm going to get sick if I don't. And that's not how I want to go out, you know? And so like, realizing that I had come from that vibration to a vibration where I was excited every day when I woke up to go and learn and grow and expand and like start facing all these things that I had buried for 17 years, because it's hard to learn how to like process emotions at 30, right? Like a lot of people learn that when they're children or as teenagers. And I was just taught to either bury everything or punch somebody in the face. And those were like the two things that I, that was like the two default settings, you know, so reprogramming my brain and my experience and learning how to control what was happening in my head, because what's happening in your head is going to happen, you know, in your life. And it never stopped, man. I still, I, I do a lot of shadow work. I still try to grow and learn every single day. I'm not anywhere near done, you know, and about a year ago, I kind of decided that maybe I could try to help some other people find 
you know, what I found and I wanted to share it with people. And it's like, you know, this podcast is called my family thinks I'm crazy. It's like, you, you wake up and the first thing you want to do is like help your family. Right. It's like these people that you care about that you've loved for your whole life and bring them into this and try to show them that like, it's bigger than this box that we lived in. And I realized that like, I kind of just isolated myself from everyone by, by trying to share what, what I had found with people, which is what I needed. You know, I needed to learn how to be happy by myself and how to, how to, how to be enough and how to, how to, for my own approval to be the approval that I was seeking, you know, but it, it made me realize that I had very little in common with most of the people in my life, my family included. And that's kind of how the Mad Hatter thing started. You know, I just, I, for a long time, I tried to convince people that I wasn't crazy you know, and it started at a young age. I remember being in high school and talking about 9-11 being an inside job. And it was just, it started with conspiracy for me and kind of brought me to spirituality where a lot of people it's, it's backwards for, you know, I just decided at a certain point that I was going to own it. And it's like, okay, I'll live down the rabbit hole. I'll be that guy. You know, I'm, I'm the mad hatter and it, it, here we are. I love it, dude. And, you know, I just want to stop and thank you for sharing that with us because I really resonate, albeit I was always too scared of anything harder than psychedelics to try any of that. And I'm you know, grateful for that, but I definitely have been in that position where I look at what I've done with my life and I'm like, damn, I'm in the same place I was eight years ago or 10 years ago. And it really wasn't until, you know, only a year and a half ago, when I found something that I really realized was something, you know, that I was maybe meant to do, you know, and crystals right. for me was such a huge part of it. I mean, when you mentioned the point about like someone thinking like, how could carrying crystals in your pocket do anything? It brought to mind a, a story of just wildest, the one of the wildest times I've ever been pulled over and all of my, times interactions with the cops have been pretty bland and mundane which is a something i'm grateful for but this time <laughs> you know this time was just another weird occasion i get pulled over my car smells like weed of course so they pull me out of the car they look through my car they find probably a dozen or so dime bags and who knows what else and they're searching my pockets and they find this velvet bag full of crystals and i had quartz i had citrine i had like you know a nice medley jasper whatever Your else medicine bag yeah exactly and they pull it out dude like they had just caught me red-handed and they're like what's this <laughs> what's in here and i'm like first thing i you know i'm under pressure i'm like rocks they're just rocks and then the guy's like rocks what kind of runny smoke yeah. yeah and i'm like no 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 they're crystals they're crystals and they're crystals you know they're like <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 pebbles, man, stones, like the kind in a river and shit. Like, come on, man, they're just rocks. And then they like take the crystals and pour them on the, you know, trunk of my car. They're falling all over the place. I'm like, God damn. And they're like, oh, what are you, some kind of hipster or something? And I'm like, what the hell? You guys don't even have your references right. Hippie is what I am, <laughs> motherfucker. So, dude, I've been there. And yeah, the crystal thing for a while was a really big, it was a really big indication for normies that I was not one of them, which was cool because it helped me on the East Coast. There's really not a lot of hippies, honestly. I'm in Connecticut. So it helped me find, you know, similar people in a, a crowd of, of mostly 
strange, normal people who think they're normal. But yeah, for the most part, crystals just seem to be something that if you're not, if you're not trying to connect with them, it's almost like you're nullifying yourself from it, you know, which I think is really important when you're looking at a lot of these paranormal mystical subjects is like how our consciousness plays into it. It's like these crystals are, are waiting to help you in your life, but there's a certain level of skepticism or judgment that will bar you or block you from receiving that energy. Or even maybe if you're receiving it, it'll, you know, leave you blinded to it or, or not be able to sense it. What are your thoughts on that? When did crystals really start to like tangibly? Cause you mentioned how you could feel which crystals were registering in certain chakras. When did you start to really connect with crystals? The first like major connection that I had with a crystal, um, I was, it, it made me sick. I, I was standing in line at this store called Celestial Awakenings and it's like a, like a, a metaphysical shop and it's, it's real love and light and, you know, kind of just to give you a sense of the vibe that was in there and there's like sage burning and, you know, I see this dude in line and I hear the, the guy who's selling him his rocks. He says, man, what are you going to do with all this Moldavite? You know, and just hearing the word Moldavite, like really, really rang true in my head. And like, I, I felt it in my body for some reason, you know, and I'm like, wait, what's Moldavite? You know, now you got to tell me about this, you know, and the guy's basically telling him to be careful with this. And he's like, oh, you never heard of Moldavite's right here. You know, and he put it in my hand and my, I just turned red. And like, I got hot and I was sweating and I was like, okay, I need that. Like, I need that right. I'm taking that home, you know? And basically tells me to be careful with it. He's like, oh, you, you know, just, just, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be careful, dude. It's a rock. Right. You know, and I'm super skeptical. And like, I was kind of blown away by the way that I reacted to it, but I'm thinking this is like placebo. This is me. Um, I get in the car and I'm driving home and like, I start feeling myself like, open is the best way that I could describe it. It was like everything lined up for the first time. And I was like this ground of this electrical current is what it felt like. And it made me nauseous. Right. And so I'm trying to get this thing away from me, like in the passenger seat as far as I can for me. And it's just not working, dude. And so like it, I white knuckled my way home and like went and I put it in the garage and I went and I kind of sat down and was just like trying to figure out what just happened to me, you know, like how, this is like you said it's a pebble dude and i'm not talking like a gigantic chunk of moldavite it was like a four and a half five gram piece it was a good sized piece but not like wasn't some giant specimen and i was just trying to figure out how this stone could have put me through that right and it took me like you know 45 minutes to start feeling normal again <clears throat> and then you know me being the dumbass that i am it's like well i gotta go try that again you know and it it took me like two or three days of working with this thing for like as long as I could and then getting it away from me to be able to be kind of comfortable with it. And it's one of the stones that I still carry in my medicine bag today. Like I have a little medicine bag that clips on my, my belt loop. I've got it rigged up so I can just keep it with me. And it's like, whenever I come across something that's real special or whatever, it goes in the medicine bag and this thing. So that, it, and I, 
dude, if you saw the amount of crystals that I leave the house with, you you would laugh about it. It's like I've got left pocket crystals, right pocket crystals, change pocket crystals, and then my medicine bag, you know, not counting the ones that are all on my neck. <laughs> I was going to say coat pocket crystals. I got yeah, those dude. too. Oh, or man. You get in my truck and my whole dash is just this big crystal altar, like with a freaking owl bobblehead. I mean, I love my truck, dude. And people get in there like, man, this is a lot. I'm like, I know, you know, I know this makes me happy. But like, that is when I really tried to dive in and understand what the energetic body was and and why it affected me like that. And, uh, you know, learning about it, it Moldavite has a, a tendency to kind of open and align all your chakras at once. And it's just, it's such a potent activator of the heart chakra that it just kind of zings all the way through. There's three above and three below, and it kind of activates that, that center and just, it zings you, man. <clears throat> and... So this made me want to understand like what the other chakras were and how they worked. And, and this kind of led me to like understanding that we carry a lot of trauma in our root chakra and, and, and learning how to work with that and work through that and how to bring those things up and deal with those things. Cause I had never dealt with anything emotional before in my entire life. It was just like, <clears throat> you know, I was already real fringe by messing with crystals. That was like, of the devil and only girls like crystals and you know what i mean so i was already like way way outside of my comfort zone and then realizing that you know kind of what happens in your energetic body is gonna is gonna manifest in your in your physical body and i i thrashed my body when i was younger i mean i broke 23 bones before my 17th birthday i've roofed houses since i was 13 years old so like i thought that i was just had just totally roached the meat suit and learning about how to kind of bring things to the surface and work with them and process them. And like, when I work with a crystal, I'm trying to tune in to that frequency, right? And I think there's a very, there's something very special about when your vibrations can, can match something. Because when you bring a crystal into your auric field, it's going to alter your vibrations and you're going to find this like happy medium between the two of them. But there's something to be said, in my opinion, about, about meditation and being able to really find that, that channel that that crystal is operating on and being able to tune into that and then integrating that into the, your, your body. Right. And which probably sounds really woo woo. I'm assuming you've experienced something like this before, but it, it just changed me, man. And uh, what was crazy was how fast everything happened. I mean, it wasn't six months from the time that I really started getting into crystals to where I was writing metaphysical blogs for a, one of the larger crystal distributors that I'm aware of. And it was like, it was like my life. And then I was getting paid to research and I was getting mailed these exotic crystals and being able to work with them and write my own breakdowns. And it just, it was just incredibly fulfilling. And it's like, if you walk in my, I mean, there's crystals every, everywhere, you know, and I, they all serve a purpose. I've got ones in my bedroom that I use for dream work. I've got different altars set up for different things, but like they're, they're tools for me, you know? And sometimes I'm not, I don't all the way understand why I'm buying something. <clears throat> I just know that it's supposed to go home with me. Sometimes it's for somebody else. And sometimes it will just, it will just hit me, you know, call it a download, call it intuition, call it whatever you want, but it's just like, wait, that's what that's for. And that's why I have that. And I'm going to do it right now. And it just, the impact that it's made on me, I, I don't even know how to properly verbalize, 
you know, it's, it's just a very special thing to me. And it's something that I try to share with everyone who will listen. And it's not the only thing that I enjoy to talk, to talk about as far as like podcasting goes, but it's something that I think can, can really help everyone. You know, my conspiracies are great. You know, those are, those are fun for me or, or, or comparative religion is something I really study. And that's, that's big for me. But like, as far as what's going to make an impact on people's lives, I, I think that crystals and, and, and understanding energy and frequency and vibration is something that everyone can benefit from, you know? 100%. I agree, man. And I was not prepared for this, but you're really bringing all of these memories back because you're reminding me of how much my interaction, my relationship with crystals really changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, from an early age, I talk a lot about my experiences in New Haven, Connecticut, and, and how I dropped out of community college and just started working whatever job I could get that I, you know, didn't force me to, to lose what I loved about life, you know, because being a full-time stoner, you can't get a job, at least in 2013, you know, you'd have to find a job where they don't drug test you. And sadly, that didn't leave me with many options besides being a, a delivery driver. But really a big reason why I dropped out of community college was because some friends that I were hanging out with gifted me crystals and brought me to a crystal store. And man, I, I probably brought home thousands of dollars worth of crystals from that place over the past 10 years, just cause I've, you know, religiously at some points would go in there and just feel my way through the store, you know, and let the right that's ones it. jump out, you know, and that's what I would bring home. And, you know, I have plenty now and it got to a point where I was wrapping them a lot, you know, and I had done like this sort of pilgrimage with some friends out to Denver, Colorado, and we went to some metaphysical shops among all of the dispensaries that we spent time at. But I ended up wanting to like really spend a lot of money on these books because I'd never been to a metaphysical store like the Shining Lotus in Denver. They just don't have that kind of stuff, at least close by where I live. So I spent all this money on these books and then I'm like, shit, how the hell am I going to get home? I need money to eat. We need money for <laughs> gas, you know? So I'm like, you know, I, I've been wrapping these crystals for a little while. I could, I could make a few dollars selling them. And that's when this kind of like idea came. Yeah, why not? I'll be Mystic Mark. And that's literally where that, you know, I don't just call that name, call myself that because of the podcast. I'm like, that is something that came from wrapping these crystals. I'll show you one of them that I really think is special, but I don't, you know, it was something I did to get out of a pinch and then I enjoyed like selling them for a while and That's you know, beautiful. Thank you. And you know, I, I had an Instagram page and I would sell some, but I really, over time I got to this point where I felt like what I was doing wasn't it in right relationship with the crystals and I stopped wrapping them. And now I have plenty wrapped that I've just, you know, I can't sell them. I love them. I don't want to sell them. I made a few recently because I wanted to get back into it. But I wonder, you know, as someone who clearly is, is very well versed in crystal energy, what do you think may have caused that? Because I've always wondered uh, why that happened. I actually, the only piece of Moldavite I ever had fell off of my lap 
I guess I was getting out of my car or something. It was on my lap, hit the road and I didn't see it cause it was nighttime. And then the next morning I come by and look in the front drive and my Moldavite necklace had been crushed by a car. And I took oh, that no. as like a really, you know, bad sign, a bad omen, like a friend had gifted me that Moldavite. So that was, that was kind of like the end of my crystal wrapping for a couple of years. And, and yeah, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Well, uh, they're alive, first of all, you know, and I think that a big part of what really kind of starts to perpetuate your spiritual development uh, when it comes to crystals and their energy is understanding that and believing that these are uh, like living conscious, these are, these are beings, you know, and you can do whatever you want with that as far as, you know, there are people believe if that in titans or whatever and these being pieces of petrified organisms that lived a long time ago or just that the earth is alive right which is a, a big part of it for me is that I, I believe that this plane that we're on is a living conscious sentient being and that everything here is is conscious to some extent and these crystals have the ability to tell you what they what they want from you right and we just need to learn to listen and i think that we're taught to kind of to to humanize and rationalize things and we're taught that you know a rock talking to us is could could be very silly but when you understand computers and that basically all of the technology whether it's your hard drive or your processors or your your tv or any of this these are these is all crystal technology you know which is kind of what started the ball rolling for Marcel Vogel was that he realized that if he can put energy and information into a crystal with a computer and the human mind or the human brain is just an organic supercomputer, then why couldn't he do the same thing with his brain? Right. And this is the lead researcher developer for IBM for 27 years. I mean, he made some of the most significant advances in computer technology of, of his time. And this was a guy that it was talking to his crystals, you know, so it's not, it's not, uncommon outside of really smart people you know it's not just like the like like hippies that are into this stuff like there are some very educated very smart people that that have really studied this and i think that collecting for me is about is about love right like these are i i will see a crystal and i know it's supposed to go home with me right i i have a hard time parting with certain ones and if i am going to part with them i don't like to sell them which is funny because i have some crystals that i've found in random places on etsy that i don't think i've i don't, I don't think i've sold any of them yet but my point is like whether it's you know, wire wrapping and you're called on some level to wrap these things and take this crystal and put it with this crystal and and and, and bond it with with silver or whatever you're wrapping wire with right but this is this is alchemy and so you're creating it's just like making a batch of cookies right like you're you're making this and then like is this cookie are you going to get the same satisfaction by selling this cookie to someone as you are by like gifting it to someone that you love are you eating that intention yourself right and enjoying that energy and also like when something starts to feel like work for me like if you're rapping because you love it and you want to share that with the world, that's one thing, but it sounds like at some point it became almost like a profession, right? Like you needed, 
you needed money and you know you got yourself somewhere and kind of around, you're like wait i can sell some of these right which oh, there's nothing wrong with that but it changes the intention that's associated with your collecting or with your wrapping at that point it's not about love it's a transaction which changes things and i think that the crystals are aware of that and i think our subconscious is aware of that and again i don't think there's anything wrong with selling crystals it's just not it's not the same as being a collector right it 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 kind of it kind of changes the game which is why like podcasting is kind of sporadic for me like i love to talk i love doing this i love these conversations but i as soon as it's like okay i've got to do five a week right like at that point it, as soon as i feel like i have to do something i'm out dude as soon as something starts to feel like work i'm just over it like i have alchemized my profession i love what i do i go in and i you know, like carpentry for me is a very pure and raw form of alchemy, right? And I get I, I get paid to do it. Don't get me wrong, but I do it. I'm very picky and choosy about the jobs that I take and who I work for because I want to create change, right? Not in just in my life, but in the people's lives that I'm working for. And it's something that's special to me, right? If it wasn't special to me, I wouldn't do it. it money aside, I would find another way to create to create financial energy in my life but i i think that especially with spiritual practice it's like it's it's got to be about love man and 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 growth and like helping other people find that growth and sharing that gift that was that that i received or that you received with other people so that they can experience the same thing and as soon as something becomes a transaction it's just it's different you know not wrong but different absolutely yeah and that's a that's a thin line you can walk with this podcast or any podcast, you know, speaking only for myself, I've felt like, you know, we're only going to get to the point where we have sponsors. I don't ever want to do a situation where we have like, you know, a dynamic ad that breaks into the conversation and says, Hey, McDonald's has a new cheeseburger, you know, right. no offense to anybody who's doing that with their podcast. I, I love listening to podcasts and personally, I dislike when that happens to me. So I would never <laughs> do that to my listeners. Right. So that's, if they're going to listen to my outro and hear me plug whoever's, you know, paying to sponsor the show, that's a different thing. You know, those people can tune out because the conversation is already over anyways. So I think, I think, yeah, that's a, that's definitely an approach that I really appreciate and I try myself to implement it. And I really appreciate you clarifying that in the realms of crystals because it is such a mystical intangible thing that there are so many factors in a life that can contribute to something like that that uh, you know it's not as simple as one explanation or another but that moldavite when it broke man it really broke a little piece of me that was like oh wow because i did feel like you know, I would never charge people more than a hundred dollars for any of my wraps. And like, if I was ever selling them to like a store, I would undersell my wraps just to get them into the store. Cause I was so excited to be like taken on that level of legitimacy. You know, I was a little right. thrilled at like how easy it could be to be an entrepreneur. You know, I've always liked the idea of working for myself and being my own boss. And clearly you experience that with your business and i love the way you broke that down as a process of alchemy and and to generate financial energy and that's just one of many energies that we as human beings are generating and interacting with so yeah man what uh when it comes to crystals you talked about moldavite 
And I, I know a thing or two about Moldavite. I've heard that it's from another galaxy or something or other, like it's from an asteroid. I don't know if that is correct. Maybe I'm mistaking that with a different one. But if you were to list like a, a top five crystals that anyone could integrate into their life and provoke a change, would you say there's a top five or is it really just any crystal that you're drawn to? Um. On the Moldavite, we're told that it was 14.8 billion years ago, or 14.8 million years ago. It was actually the collision that created the Bohemian Plateau in the Czech Republic. And we're told that it impacted with such great force that it penetrated the crust and actually entered the, the magma core. And actually, that was one of the things that created one of the alleged pole shifts that we've experienced as a planet, which doesn't fit into all Earth models, but that's what... That's what we're told, you know, as far as five crystals, I can tell you my favorite five crystals, but something that like the question that I get asked most often is like by people that are interested is like, okay, so what crystals should I start with? Right. And that's something that is really hard to answer because just like we all metabolize food differently, like crystals are going to affect everyone everyone different and you can uh, study general metaphysical properties right is uh, but ultimately like we all carry a specific vibration right and some of us are very cosmic right and some of us are very grounded right? and there's nothing wrong with being either way and what i've found is that typically like if someone is a very grounded individual they're going to want to work with crystals that carry a higher vibration which i believe is the the subconscious trying to activate that heart space right like if you're up here you're going to be drawn to stuff that's down here and kind of meet in that middle and, and vice versa. As far as crystals that I think everyone could benefit from that I enjoy working with, there are some really, really basic ones, right? Like black tourmaline, for example, is, is very good as far as eliminating negativity, right? And it's, it's interesting because it, it can strengthen your immune system. It can create, give you, give you physical energy. It's very good for cleansing the energetic body. It's good. It's good for a lot of things and it's, it's very available. It's very affordable. And it, <clears throat> it's one of those ones that everyone, everyone should have, you know, another one. And I know we're down in the root right now, but I think that everyone carries trauma, right? Everyone. And it doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't matter comparing childhoods, right? Like you can't say, well, my childhood wasn't as hard as theirs, right? Because all we have is our childhood and that's our perspective. And so like, even if the worst thing that ever happened to you as a kid is you didn't get a pony on your seventh birthday, like that traumatized you, right? Because that was, that was the, the worst thing that you could imagine happening. Right. And, and so, and our realities are, are just that, like the only normal that we know is our normal, right? And so whether it was you got screamed at or whether you got your ass kicked like I did, like <clears throat> we all carry trauma from our childhood and we're taught like as a culture to, to bury it. There's a lot of stigmas around like talking to someone, which I think that everyone should do. And there's been people before where I'm like, man, have you ever thought about talking to somebody? And they're like, oh, you think I need blah, blah, blah. And they like freak out. And it's like, I, I think that everyone, should, whether it's a shaman or whether it's a shrink or whether it's like, we can all benefit from having a safe place to bring our shit to, right? Like it's, it's, it's just, as, it's just as simple as that. Somebody to listen, right. Objectively, who might know a little bit more about whether it's psychology or whether it's spirituality or whatever you're struggling with. Like there's 
always someone, it's the ego that tells us it's not, that that's not okay. Right. And another really good crystal that I think that everyone should is, is Shungite. Right. And, and there's three different kinds of Shungite. My, my personal favorite is called Noble or Elite Shungite, which is like at 92 to 99% coal basically, or carbon. And so it's elite Shungai is what, when people talk about purifying water or when people talk about like, there's a, there's a lake in Russia that people used to go to, to be healed at, and it lays on this gigantic bed of, of elite Shungai and Shungai protects you from EMF, right? It's very grounding. It, It just destroys negativity. I've seen people take like, and I, don't fully understand how this works. And so anyone who doesn't believe this, I, I, I totally get that. But like, I've seen people take dirty, like dirty water, like water with like brown water and put shungite in it and it will get clear. Right. And it's like, where does it go? You know what I mean? Like, does the, is the rock sucking it? Like, I don't understand how that happens at all, but like, if you're in a survival situation, right and you have some shungai and you got to drink out of a mud puddle, like <clears throat> it takes time, but like I have shungai <laughs> all the time, you know, and it, it's not just about, it's not about any one thing, you know, they make really cool pads that you can stick on your laptop or that you can stick on your phone. Cause EMF is like very real, you know? Yeah. That's another thing that I hope we get to talk about a little bit before we're done is, is organize Wilhelm Reich is, He's my dude, man. The the two people that probably impacted my life the most as far as historic, maybe three, right? I got Tesla, Marcel Vogel, and Wilhelm Reich are are my big three. As far as crystals, though, clear quartz, right, is very special to me. There you go. Uh, specifically Lemurian, if you can find Lemurian quartz. It's called the Record Keeper. It's great for facilitating downloads, right? It's And again, quartz crystal is what we use to make hard drives like that that is what we store information on. So quartz is also very special because it can be programmed. It carries a very almost identical frequency to water, right? And which is what we are and what the earth is and what, you know, water is a very, a very special thing. And after reading about the work that Dr. Emoto did and communicating with water and how all that works, like you can program your quartz to do basically whatever you need it to. You could <clears throat> program a quartz crystal to act like a piece of moldavite if you wanted to. It's, I mean, it's that malleable. That's three. Amethyst is great, right? And I know I'm naming crystals that are kind of, kind of run of the mill, but I, these are all available and they, they all made a, a very large impact on my life. Amethyst is like a reset button, right? Which is why it was so helpful for me when I was going through the stuff that I was going through. That was my first crystal was a chunk of Chevron amethyst. And it is just a way for you to kind of release things that don't, that don't serve you. And it's uh, very helpful in facilitating a more favorable reality because how we develop a new reality is by destroying the old one and 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 releasing it and so it's a very powerful catalyst for that and then we've already talked about moldavite that's one of my favorites but as far as like something that's a little bit more out there fenakite is one of my absolute favorites it and moldavite together can be very intense fenakite i think and we find new crystals all the time but i think that fenakite is like the second highest vibration that we've been able to measure in a, in a crystal, it's very cosmic. It, it makes a lot of people sick. 
my favorite tool that I have besides the ones that I got from uh, my buddy, Brandon, he uh, has a shop called Atharsa Jewelry. He's got an Instagram shop. His stuff is amazing. I've got a bunch of his stuff, but I've got a tool that is Moldavite, a magician's cup Moldavite, and then it's got a teardrop Fenakite over top of it. And four or five people tried this thing on before I did, and they all got puke sick in the crystal shop. And I, I went in there and I was looking for a new tool and I brought way more money than I normally did. And I didn't really understand why. And because I put myself on a budget, dude, like I'll bring like 400 bucks in there and it's like, that's it. No, de- I'll leave my debit card, you know, because you get in there and you want everything. And so you got to decide on your budget before you go into a place like that, or else you get stuck in Colorado with no gas money to get home. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Been there, done that. But he's, I'm looking at all these, they, they, they're called tools for Ascension, right? Is what they're, they're marketed as. And there's a company that uses a lot of Vogel's designs and makes like wearable pendants for people that are trying to work on certain things. And I'm kind of just feeling my way around with my third eye, trying to decide which one's for me. And it just hits me that like my crystal, my, my necklace is not in the case. And it was, I, I knew which drawer it was in. And I'm like, it, it's in that drawer. Like what's in that drawer. And he's like, nothing's in this drawer, you know, and he opens it up and sure as shit, there's this pendant in there that he had totally forgotten about. And he was like, dude, this thing is not for sale. Like every time I let somebody try this on, they puke in my shop. It's not going to happen. I'm like, dude, that's mine. Like, you don't understand that's, that's mine. And he's like, okay, you can try it on, but we're doing it outside, you know? And so we go outside. Cause one of his things is like, he calls it being fit for a crystal. He's, he's going to fit you for a tool. And he wants to make sure that you're not gonna have a bad reaction for it before you, but before you leave with it, you know, cause it, I've heard people wrecking their cars and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's, I mean, you know how certain crystals can be, especially when they're playing with your energy in a specific way. But like, as soon as I put it on, it was like the first experience with Moldavite, but on steroids, dude. And I felt everything just like zing wide open. And the, it was just, it was so cosmic, but it was also so potent in the heart space. And it just, it, it really launched me forward into research and, and really kind of finding myself. And one of the things that hermeticism teaches is that like everything that you need is like within you. Right. And so I had spent all of this time trying to find all these external things that could make me grow or make me smarter or spent just hundreds of hours researching. Right. And then this is the crystal that kind of really inspired me to start looking in for, for that growth and, and realizing that I could learn things without re- necessarily reading things you know, you'd call it gnosis as opposed to knowledge you could call it downloads i've heard it called all kinds of stuff but like we all have this intuitive sense of knowing right and if you ask the universe it's it's going to give you answers right it's but uh, that the belief is a big part of it as far as like you have to trust in yourself and trust in the universe and trust that that this knowing that you're getting is real. Right. And I spent a lot of research hours trying to prove to myself, like what I already knew, you know, and that's not to say that research isn't important, but that that tool specifically really made me start to look in as opposed to out. And by looking in, I was able to make a greater impact on the outside, you know, outside of my experience, you know, the micro is the macro and, and, and such, but as within, so without, you know, that, that was, that's what started that process for me. I love it, man. Yeah. And so many things that we could touch on, but I, 
can 100% relate to that experience of gnosis. We talked about it maybe in the Patreon chat or something. I forget. I don't think it was on an episode, but I sort of made a joke like, oh, I used to sleep with a bookshelf on my the foot of my bed. And with all these books at the foot of my bed, you know, I wonder if the knowledge is like seeping into my dreams or my unconscious or something, you know, and I've come to that point where like I, I was reading so much and I really didn't even know what I was looking for. I thought I would find some big conspiracy and, you know, God bless. I found podcasts because I realized there was hundreds of people smarter than I already figuring this stuff out. And that really just helped me hone in to find like what I was really interested in. But consciousness and how crystals factor in has been, you know, something I've pondered on for the past 10 years of my life. And I don't know if I would be as communicative for lack of a better word as I am on these subjects. If crystals didn't come into my life, it really, you know, we can talk about chakras and how, you know, that helps. But I really think that crystals are tapping in to the Akashic record in some way, for lack of a better term. And you made the apt comparison to, you know, computer technology. It's really not even a comparison. It's just the truth. They're used in computers and our minds are really just like software. And you bring this hardware around and it <laughs> causes changes in your software. So Shungite, I think is a big one and it does connect a little bit to Organite because, you know, Organite, I recently had a conversation with Mitch, the Orgone donor, and he's really using Organite as a tool, a purpose, which is yep. not all that dissimilar from what we're talking about, but sort of in the sense that he's using them away from the home, affecting the grid, affecting the electric system and, and how we're being polluted with all these you know, weather manipulation and electronic smog. But, you know, Shungai, I've heard people, I think he actually mentioned this, people grind it down, put it in a paint, and then paint the sides of a beehive with this Shungai paint. And it actually helped the colony proliferate where in the past they were declining. So I wonder, you know, Aside from something like that, what other applications can crystals be used in like that maybe people wouldn't think? I know there are some crystals that you can put in your water to restructure your water. But outside of that, what have you found crystals are also good for? I mean, crystal can hurt anything. And I think that in, intuitively, if something feels right to you, then like, then, then try it. You know, you brought up using crystals in water. Something that I do religiously is I, I, I make elixirs with the moon and with crystals and with organite and kind of structure this water, right, that, that I'm going to drink, which is something that we need to be very careful with because not all crystals some of them will dissolve some of them will poison you like you really need to know what you're 
putting and there's ways to to create these things without direct contact i mean energy is is not not bound by the same rules that we are you know something doesn't have to be in in the water to affect the water you brought up paint which is something that i've been hearing about recently the beehives is one that i hadn't read but i've heard of people painting it you know in their homes to try and protect from emf i mean it's it's endless. It's really endless. Organite is is huge. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the gentleman that you brought up, but we break down different crystals and and I you know, we're the everything is in perpetual motion, right? Nothing is at rest. And I think that there's something to be said about suspending something with energetic properties in, you know, a resin or in some sort of medium that is going to kind of create this sense of, of of rest right and orgone or the orgone that organite that we make is designed to basically draw this this energy in from the top and then we use different layers to restructure the energy before it ends up at the bottom right and 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 different organite can be used for different things you know you can have some that are going to keep you grounded or some that are going to keep you in your crown chakra i've got one that, that my good friend of mine calls the alien cell phone you know it's like i bring it into sensory deprivation with me and i get cr- crazy things happen like 90 percent of people would think i was an absolute crazy person if i told you some of the experiences that i had had in the float um, You're in the right place for that. I'd love to hear that. We actually, I've met a couple guys that run a float tank out in New Jersey. Last time I went and saw Sam in New Jersey and uh, they ended up on Sam's spiritual podcast. And Sam, he he had a tank sit. I don't know how, I think his thoughts on it, I don't know if you heard, they might've talked about it on Tinfall Hat but he was very was very just like confused as to what was supposed to happen so i think sam should have had that alien cell phone before he went into the tank <laughs> well and it, it's not supposed to be anything right you know i think that it's one of those things where you kind of get back what you put out and it's very intention based you know like i went in because i have a very busy mind right so if i try to meditate for example i like I'm, I'm trying to create void, right? I'm trying to release things and create this void to be populated by new things, whether it's ideas or, you know, I'm trying to release the, the stuff that doesn't serve me and create room for stuff that does. And so I sit down and like really try to drop in and it's like, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? You know, like, did I order my material pack for tomorrow? What is it going to rain tomorrow? You know? And so it's like my brain just uh, it, like it, it doesn't know how to shit. It's just constantly in, in, in motion. And for me, I wanted to just be shut off. Right. I just wanted all of that to, to stop. And what the float does for me is like, you go in there and for people that don't know, it's like, it's, it's an enclosed pod and they put a ton of Epsom salt in the water that makes it sort of like a mix between a bathtub and a and a tanning bed right like it's it's basically like for folks who've never seen it you can google it but to visualize it's kind of like a tub that you lie in and there's water and it's like a big egg like the dead sea almost like you're you're floating in the water though it's not like a bath where you're sitting at the bottom exactly and it's like the same buoyancy as you so really like you're not floating you kind of just are you know what i mean 
it's it's and once the water stop the water's the same temperature as you right so once you stop moving and you get settled and the water stops it it feels like you are just suspended in 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 nothingness right and that's the idea is it just shuts off all of your sensory perception right which is why it's sensory deprivation there's no light there's no sound there's no smell there's no anything right so all this brain power that's normally being used on trying to decipher and decode and process all of these stimuli that are around us all the time right and even if we, we don't feel our brain doing this but it's like if you've seen the the videos of like the ai that's scanning stuff and it's like identifying all the little stuff in the room and like it, figuring out what it is our, our our brains do this right and so it's we're the amount of processing that takes place in in the brain just constantly is is obscene and so you get into a situation like that and you lay down and at first it's just kind of like oh man an hour is a long time you know like what am i going to do here and then it's it, it's like and the hour's over you know it's like as soon as you you just fall out you know and all of the the me trying to shut my brain off and me trying to stop thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch tomorrow. You know what I mean? All of that is just gone. And it's like, it's almost like lost time. Right. And for me, a lot of the stuff that happens doesn't happen. <clears throat> I mean, I've had some crazy revelations in there. Right. But a lot of it happens on the drive home. Okay. So like I'm in there and you sync up and you drop in and it's just like, wow, you know, and you come out of there and you're taking your shower in there and washing the salt out of your hair, you know, and I'm like cleaning off the alien cell phone and get back into the car. And it's like, man, what just happened to me? You know, and then your brain starts going back and like processing everything that just happened in that hour. And you start realizing just some of the profound stuff that came through there. And it's like, I've gotten everything from like outright downloads. Like I went in and just, fully understood something that I had no understanding of before when I walked out of there. I've had stuff that I was studying just click and three or four things that were kind of separate just all came together and made sense. I've had beings talk to me. I can't tell you what exactly. I'll tell you that the pod has a name and this pod that I float in is, is sentient. And like when I need to float, it will call me. And I know that sounds silly to say that this, that this pod reaches out and tells me to come float in it, but Myrtle will end up in my head and I cannot shake it. <clears throat> I can't shake it. And there was a time like this, this, this kind of snowballed into me, like dealing with whatever entities got brought into the, I see it as like a, like a portal right is what i think it is and the first time i felt myself like really fell out it felt i can't describe it better than like falling out of space and time like i was just i was just there nothing was moving around me nothing was happening it was like this whole linear time thing was just gone and i just i just was right and all this brain power like because the the brain as special it is is as it is it's very restricting right it has rules that our consciousness has to follow in this in this human vessel and when you have an out-of-body experience whether it's in the dream state or astral travel all these rules go out the window because you're this infinite being at this point right and things can follow you back 
from there, right? So you get these people, they go into these places and either don't know how to protect themselves from it or, and, and, and things not, not always bad, right? But things can, can, can come back through that experience that you had, right? And so every once in a while, really weird stuff would start happening in the spa, right? Like somebody would be floating in there after clothes, right? No one's in there. The door is locked, right? It's just the person who works there is in there floating and something would come and just pound on the outside of the pod, right? Or like the lights would turn on in the room and you could see from outside the pod because there's a little crack and it's like, wait, why is the light on? You know, like just, just weird stuff like that. I've been breathed on in there. It's, it's normally like sweltering isn't the right word, but it's like it's borderline uncomfortably hot because it's the same temperature as you, right? So it's it's 98 degrees or whatever the water is and you're enclosed. So there's no way for your breath or the steam or anything to go out. So it's like it's it's warm in there, right? And there's been times where it just got bone cold to where I was just frozen and something slapped the water in the pod that I was in there with. I mean, like, I've had some crazy experiences and people that aren't into the stuff that I'm into, they don't go in there to talk to freaking interdimensional beings. You know, they go in there to float because it's relaxing or because it's good for your back or a multitude of other reasons that people choose to float, but they'll come out and be like, somebody pounded on the pod while I was in there, you know? And they're like, nobody went in your room. Like people will be upset. They got to show them the cameras that like nobody went in there. I mean, these just these normal people will have these crazy experiences in there. And so then I get a call from the spot. It's like, okay, well, Myrtle's acting up again. You come in here and deal with her, you know? And so I ended up being this on call, like dealer with of weird entities that got brought back, you know, through the pod. And that was kind of like my, I mean, I never got paid for it or anything, but it was like, it was kind of like my job. Like I dealt with Myrtle when she got out of line. And so sometimes it was her that called me to come in. And and the best way for me to find out what's in there is to just float. Right. And ask, you know, like who's here, you know, you got something to you. What do you, what are you, what do you want? You know? And like, these things will talk to you. There are crystals that I use. Another crystal that I should have brought up that very few people know of that I think everyone should have is called Azurine. Um, A-E-G-E-R-I-N-E. And it's harder to get now because all the mines are closed. And so whatever is out there is out there. We can't mine anymore. There's a ton of it out there, but like people are holding on to it. I have what you could call a small stockpile. It looks kind of like a combination between like a like a kyanite and a tourmaline kind of thing when it's rough some of the pieces the real high-end pieces are very shiny and smooth and they can be in like hexagonal cylinders that are really cool but it prevents attachment entity attachment attachments of any kind right and and so if i'm going to go in there and deal with something that i think is nasty like i'm going to keep a piece of that with me but another thing that people don't realize is like consent right? People will offer their consent, right? These, whether they know it or not, right? Like you have to give something permission to enter your body, right? And which is why like, I'm very leery about things like a Ouija board, for example. Like, I think a lot of people don't realize that like you are asking whoever right to come into your body and move your hands on this board and then hopefully leave after they're done but once you granted something entry they're like they're on the couch dude like 
they're either going to leave or they're not, you know? And so I think that, and attachments are bigger than like what we see in the exorcist movies, right? They're, they can be very simple or they can be very, very big. And I think a lot of people carry around minor attachments. And it was something, another thing that I started to pick up on as I got more into this was like, I, I, I can't like see them, right? Like I don't, I don't see this being, some people do. We'll just, we'll, we'll see these attachments. That's not how it works for me. Like I can just tell that there's something there that's not that person, right? Or this, that's outside of that person. And it's like, it's hard to walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, like you got some shit hanging around, dude. Like we should probably, you know, deal with this. But it's another thing that I, when, when people get interested in stuff like this, that I really try to help teach them how to protect themselves from and, and with whether it's astral travel or whatever you're doing, like when your consciousness goes somewhere, you're creating for, for, for lack of a better word, a, a, a portal, right? Like you have, you have left, there's a bridge there now, right? Which is why like, it's important to learn to tether yourself, right? Cause you can float for too long and that's, that's a bad thing too. Like you don't want to be out of your body for, which is a muscle that you have to develop, you know, these things that take practice, but like when people get into this stuff, they, they, they open themselves up. And something that people don't realize is that when like, once you start evolving spiritually and growing right with this this plane imagine this this plane that we're on is like this dark room right and as you start aligning yourself and your energies and getting in tune with the the, the, the highest good or with 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 source or with whatever you want to call the, the the universe you know as as you start to get in tune with this you are like a bright light in the middle of a dark room right and so all of these things are are drawn to you like like flies right like 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 a bug catcher almost and the dimensions right are are very they're very thin and they're not separated by much right like you could argue that dogs are in more than one dimension at the same time because they perceive the things that we can and they can also perceive things that we can't right and that's when you look at the light spectrum or the sound spectrum, I think that science says that we can perceive like 1%, right? So there's this stuff that's around us all the time on top of us, you know, that we just don't have the ability to perceive, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. Right. Right. So it's not crazy to, to think that you could, be attracting these things and helping them kind of enter our channel, right? It's like somebody tuning into your radio station and now they're talking on the same channel as you. Well, and this brings to mind a recent conversation I had with Amy Belair because, you know, speaking of Akasha, she tapped into my Akashic record during the interview. I intentionally put that out there and someone who supports the show, someone who, you know, sent me a nice calendar, very cool person, shout out L, sent me a message like, hey, Mark, you ought to be careful, you know, putting a reading out there because you never know who could tap into that. And that got me a little worried. So my question to you is, aside from, you know, beefing up my crystal collection with some azurine or azurine, 
what other ways can I practice psychic defense, particularly, you know, broadcasting this show over the airs? I try to be vulnerable and, and share parts of my life with the audience and, you know, try to foster an organic connection with yourself and every other guest I have. And that Which could, is what makes your show good. Thank you. And, and but I wonder, like, are there tools or, or just sort of maybe even consciousness modalities that you recommend in order to prevent any meddling from someone out there in the psychic airwaves or even an I'll, entity. I'll tell you what, man, I think that the most powerful tool, whether it is for manifestation or whether it's for psychic protection or whether it's for workings in your magical practice, right? I've studied a lot of, cere not a lot of ceremonial, ceremonial magic, but a fair amount. I, I very deeply interested in, in chaos magic and how that works. And I think that across the board, whether you're talking like traditional Crowley or Golden Dawn or, or, or Freighter UD or anyone, they're going to tell you, or, or, or Damien Eccles, right? Who is this one of the newer kind of people on this front, right? A lot of the, the magical and magic with a K, right? Like, because there's like stage magic and then there's, there's, there's magic, which is creating change and conformity with will. Right. And any, uh, Levi is another one. Like they all, the, the most power potent tool is visualization. Right. And hermeticism teaches that, that for something to exist in the physical, it has to exist in the mind first that every physical manifestation is a direct result of the mind that preceded that 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 manifestation and so <clears throat> i think the intention and and consent are crucial but there's also ways to visualize when and it's different for everyone and a lot of this is intuitive there's no right way for you to envision like your 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 psychic protection right but there are ways for you to visualize some sort of barrier between you and the things outside of you right and it's kind of a it's kind of a touch and go type of thing because you don't want to close yourself off to everything, right? You want to be able to receive these downloads and you want to be able to perceive these entities that may be around you, you know? And I personally enjoy having things in, in, in my space. Right. And I, I don't, it's kind of started when I realized I didn't have much in common with most humans. So maybe it was like me looking for friends, but like, I won't, burn sage because sage gets rid of everything of ev everything right and it's like using uh, a hand sanitizer right it gets rid of 99.99 percent of bacteria but it's like 80 percent of those bacteria are good right and so if i'm gonna cleanse i'm gonna use frankincense or i'm gonna use cedar right which is only gonna get rid of negative things right because if something is positive or 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 curious or really anything but trying to create bad energy then it's welcome in my space whether it's in my room or whether it's in my practice at work or whether it's in my magical practice it doesn't like i'm not it doesn't bother me having these things around and so again you don't want to close yourself off com completely because there's a lot that you're going to miss out on and so a lot of it is training the subconscious, right? So we've seen Inception, right? Where he has like his dream police, right? Like when he's in the dream, there's the dude in there and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm in your head. Like I'm protecting you from 
these other dudes who are trying to get in your head. Right. And so it's like, it's like training your subconscious, which a lot of stuff in that movie has very, very huge implications uh, when interpreted esoterically, but training the subconscious to kind of be this filter, right. To, to be able to identify negativity, which I think starts with the, the most apparent and obvious thing for me when I, when I'm meeting a person or whether I'm interacting with an entity or whatever it is, is their intention, right? It's palpable. We've all been next to somebody that gave us like the heebie-jeebies before, right? This is us interpreting their vibrations and our intuition or our higher self telling us that we don't like that, which is usually associated with some sort of negativity or some sort of trauma or something that our subconscious doesn't like. And so I, as a, as, as a child, I started perceiving intention. Okay. Some people see auras, some people see there's different people have different gifts, right? What, what, what I started struggling with, and this was a struggle for me because every time I talked to somebody about it, I was told I was crazy, but I could feel someone's intention. Right. And it's, it's hard to verbalize it better than that, but I could, and I would feel it like it was mine. Okay. So I would get next to somebody and like, imagine having a fantasy, right. That you, and that's the best way that I understand it. Like, like a, like a vision or feeling something being formed in, in your mental space that you know, isn't yours. That is bad, negative, whether it's someone getting stabbed or whether it's the way that someone was looking at me or looking at a child, right? Like I could, I could feel this like it was mine. It, it, it was like, what is this? And whose thoughts are these, you know? And there were certain people, whether it was at church, it happened a lot at church, but they, wherever it was, where there were people that I was terrified to be around. And they're like, well, what did, you, what did this person do to you? And I'm like, it's not what they did. It's what they want to do, you know? And like trying to explain that to an adult as a child, especially an adult that like doesn't have any sort of metaphysical understanding was was very challenging and that's one of the reasons that, that and 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 the 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 abuse the trauma where I started drinking daily at 12 and it was to shut that off that was the only way I knew how to just make it all go away like I started perceiving all these things and I started getting like 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 weird downloads about stuff that I had never studied and it scared me and every time I talked to somebody about it they told me that it was like it was not okay to feel that way. Like you need to talk to a doctor. We're going to put you on medication. I didn't like taking medication, right? I was forced to take ADHD medication when I was a kid and I ended up just trading all those for oxys. But like, I didn't, I didn't like shutting. And it's funny to say that I didn't like shutting it off because that's basically what oxy did, but it was, it was, it was different. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I knew that if I talked to somebody about it, I was going to get medicated, right? And I knew that if I kept feeling it, if I kept experiencing it, I was going to talk to somebody about it, right? So I just, I found out that when I, when I, when I drank, it just, it, it all shut off. And so I kind of started this, this really long downward spiral. And I don't even remember how we got here, but is, oh, psychic protection. As far as psychic protection, it, it it's just not offering your consent because these things are crafty and they're gonna ask, right? They're they're gonna and and it's like just like when someone 
there's a lot of schools of thought that say that if someone tells you what they're going to do to you and you don't do anything to stop them, then you have offered that consent, which happens a lot in the media. It happens a lot in, in movies and stuff as far as disclosure. And I've, some people believe that it's the, these negative beings trying to protect themselves from a karmic impact, right? Like they told you what they were going to do to you and you didn't stop it. So now it's your fault that they're doing it. Right. So there's a lot of ways that you can offer consent without being like, yeah, come on in, you know? And so learning what consent is and how to manage that is huge. And then visualizing. And, and for me, I don't know that I've talked about this before, but for me, like it started with me just, just meditating and kind of envisioning this, this barrier that I was inside. And I, I knew that it was impenetrable. Right. And I knew that it was there for me and that I was creating it. Right. And it kind of slowly over time, as I worked this like a muscle, it started to materialize and it started taking shape. So I've, I've, I've heard of other people using similar techniques to, to practice the same thing. And it's, it's going to look different. You're going to visualize it different each person is for me it's 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 rings that spin and they spin really fast and it creates like a like a sphere and it's and it's there and i know it's there all the time and for like a year it was this constant walking meditation no matter what i was doing i was visualizing this sphere that was around me all all the time like i'm writing up a material order and i'm thinking about this sphere like it was it was just constant right and it i programmed my subconscious to know that that thing was there all the time. And if for no other reason, me believing that something is there, right? And believing that it's protecting me is gonna protect me. Like we all know how powerful the placebo effect can be, you know? And I'm also not operating in a vibration of <clears throat> come get me, right? I'm, I'm operating in a vibration of like, you cannot touch me. Right. And just like bullies in school, these entities want to feed off of low vibration, easy targets. They don't want to work for this. Right. And so once you've taught yourself and your subconscious and you've built this belief, you're going to vibrate that and, and shit's going to leave you alone. Boom. Well said. And yeah, you did. I don't know how you got there, but you tugged at my heartstrings along the way, man. And it is really <laughs> powerful. And what you've done is you've highlighted in short work, like really the journey that one person can go down and what one person can overcome. And I think it's incredibly powerful, the tools that you've cultivated. And as you take us through this story, I'm visualizing it with you just as you're describing. And I agree with you 100%. Visualization is an extremely powerful tool that we can all use. And yeah, I ought to start maybe putting a bubble around my podcast in whatever, you know, however I visualize my podcast in the, you know, imagination space. And, and yeah, it's just, it's one thing to talk about crystals and what they can do, but unless you've really experienced the shift in consciousness yourself, it's hard to explain. So for anyone listening who might be like, oh yeah, but you can't prove it too bad. You know, like we're not, we might not be able to prove some of these things, you know? And I think experience proves that 
at least in your case and in mine, that things like crystals, not limited to crystals, metaphysical practices and philosophies in general can make an incredibly beneficial impact on someone's life, despite the fact that it may make your family think you're crazy, which tends to be the case more often than not, even, you know, coworkers and all the rest. But you talked about doing quite a bit of conspiracy research and you mentioned conspiracy led you to spirituality. Is that correct? Or am I vice versa in that? No, conspiracy absolutely led me to spirituality. But what were some of the big conspiracies that woke you up? Maybe some that we didn't get to touch on today, because obviously the realms of consciousness and, and just reality itself and what crystals can show us is enough to wake you up. But were there any like particular events or particular like, you know, cases, whether assassination or corruption that really woke you up or anything that you particularly like to research? There's like, I mean, there's the big ones as far as like JFK and 9-11 and, you know, the Bay of Pigs and, 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 and stuff like that. But what really like it, at some point you realize that like everyone's trying to kill me, right? and everyone's lying to me like whether it's the food that i'm putting in my body or like the cell phone that i'm carrying on me or like the water that i'm drinking or the prescriptions that they're writing me like literally everyone is trying to kill me right and nothing that is being told to me is being told to me to help me right you re you realize at some point where they're like there's this construct right and uh, you could call it the matrix you could call it whatever you want but there's this this construct that's been built right and and at the root of every conspiracy i think and this is how i kind of found spirituality with it is you right and 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 you knowing how special you are okay and like we're whether it's an earth model you know and i I, I did a ton of research on, on flat earth. I think that the flat earth community is very intelligent and they make a lot of good points. I'm not a, a traditional heliocentric guy or a flat earth guy. I'm a lot more interested in like cellular cosmology. Um, very interested in the crater earth model, which there's not very, there's not very much on there or out, out there about it yet, but it's, it's, it's very intriguing to me. It makes, it makes a lot of stuff makes sense and a lot of stuff that ties into hermeticism and, and 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 my spirituality right and and so that's a lot of fun for me but like we're we're told that we're just this cosmic accident right and that we're not special and that there's there's probably a billion other creatures out here just like us and like like, like we're this virus right this universal virus is, is what we're taught to believe and like we're taught to dislike each other and we're taught to dislike this place and we're taught to dislike ourselves. And I think that is what is at the root of, of every conspiracy, whether it's a, <clears throat> whether it's a, a small psyop or whether it's a giant psyop that you've been coached to believe your whole life, like an earth model, right? They're all the same. People ask me what my favorite conspiracy is. And it's like, but there's only one conspiracy, right? There's one conspiracy that is to keep me from understanding the divinity that is inside me, right? And and everything is geared around that. I mean, absolutely everything. And and it's sovereignty, right? And 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 preventing you from finding this sovereignty and not just sovereignty land-wise, but like spiritual sovereignty and 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 
energetic sovereignty, right? And, and, and autonomy, like true autonomy is just something that is, is totally lost in our experience. But it all goes back to that because if you know how special you are, you're not going to be controlled by this machine that has been created to essentially feed off of you. I mean, I, 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 I built this, the, my, my freshman thesis, okay, in, in high school was on, on high school as a manufacturing facility, okay? And they take all of these different raw materials into this, into this factory and they try to punch them into the exact same thing. Right. And if they can't punch you into this, this one product, then you end up in the reject pile. Right. And the reject pile is the, the not so popular kids who are doing drugs or the kids who decide to start gangbanging or kids that are going to end up depressed. Right. Which all lead to the same place. Right. Cause if you end up gangbanging, you're going to end up in prison and they're going to get their money. Right. If you end up in uh, therapy or whatever, and on prescriptions, they're going to get their money. Right. If you end up on drugs, they're going to get their money. Right. Or they're going to get their money getting you off of said drugs. Right. So it's like this whole system is this giant funnel. Right. Where they, they teach you that it's not OK to think for yourself and it's not OK to ask questions. And that's not just in school. That's in everything. That's in that's in organized religion right there's just all this dogma that's associated with everything and then that ties into like i feel like this this whole system is designed to create boxes right boxes that you're supposed to fit inside whether it's through culture or whether it's through style or whether it's through sexuality or or or, or your weight or uh, you know or, or or spirituality it's like well this box is the box that you're in this is the box that you're supposed to fit in and this box doesn't get along with this box so if this is the box that you're in then you can't be friends with this box right you have to you have to oppose this and then they create all these subcategories like well so you're in this box but you're kind of in this box too and i know you're only kind of in this box but this box doesn't get along with this box you know and it it, it is just this and whoever designed this man, you have to respect them, right? Because this system is like, I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but like this system has been this culmination of intention and planning and something that's been perpetuated for thousands of years, right? And when, when you really look into it, the same people who ran, who run the United States ran England, right and those same people ran rome and those same people ran egypt and those same people ran greece and i mean all the way back to samaria which is like the earliest history that we have so the same people have been in control this whole time and it's like it if you ask me every time it gets out of hand kind of like what's happening right now there is a giant reset Right, whether it's through cataclysm or you want to talk Tartaria and the mud flood, right? There's there's these gigantic resets that just brings us back to you know what equates to the Stone Age, and then they can start programming again, right? And I I just realized at one point that like everything that I was ingesting, everything, whether it was music or food or or television, it was all programming me. Right. And it's almost impossible to program someone <clears throat> who knows you're trying to program them. Right. So as soon as it was, it was like, I got hip to it and then it was everywhere. Right. And so I couldn't not turn something into a conspiracy. Right. Like shoes. 
with rubber soles, conspiracy. Like that is something that has been created to keep us from connecting with the earth. Sunglasses, right? Conspiracy. There's a, a lot to be said about sun gazing and the effects that the sun has on the human body, right? Or that the sun causes cancer, sunscreen, like sunscreen doesn't cause cancer, right? The sun heals yourself or like the word lunatic, right? Is associated that comes from the people that were engaged in lunar worship, right? You're a loon, right? Nobody wants to be a loon. And so it's like, everything is a conspiracy man absolutely everything which was why finding tinfoil hat was so cool and then hearing him say like spirit conspiracy always goes back to spirituality and it was like i've never heard anybody else just click with it like that you know and it makes dudes like Santos Bonocci or 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 Andreas Exertis just like you know it's so much fun, man. And because I just want I just want to learn, dude. Oh, no. I want to learn. Yes, dude. I am right there with you, man. And I 100% agree on all those points. I remember having those feelings at a young age, and you know, just rejecting everything. I remember a big book that really kind of shook up my consciousness was a book called Undoing Yourself by Dr. Chris Hyatt. And I only bought it because it had a, uh, a foreword by Robert Anton Wilson. But in those chapters, only the first five or six chapters that I ended up getting through were all of these sort of mantras and paragraphs that took you through sort of reversing all of these things that had been programmed into at least my mind at that age. And yeah, man, it's just, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother world. It's almost like the movie they live where they take off their glasses and you see everything, you know, you can't put the glasses back on at that point. But bro, on the point of music, I think crystals sort of opened my eyes to this sense of frequency, right? What frequency was, what it is. And and that got me thinking about music. Like, what, are the, what am I programming myself with music? I mean, I was a big rap fan. I liked underground rap. I, could, I was finding the conscious stuff. But I thought even the, the beats, even the style is too aggressive. I can't listen to this stuff. Even though it's conscious, I can't listen to it. it. It's it's not in my life anymore. I'll always tell people oh, that's what I like, you know, when it comes to music. But lately, what's really been grooving is like, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Not not ashamed of that one bit, and then indie rock, alternative rock, because I just I needed a more mellow groove. But even that, we find out that the tuning standard was altered back in the world war two days to 440 hertz so there it is. you know i wonder you know do you listen to like any 432 hertz do you recommend anything like that like what what's your music taste like knowing I, that i listen to I'm, I'm very careful and particular about because there's all these videos on youtube right that's like 432 hertz or like or 989 hertz or like crown chakra activation you know right and <clears throat> you have to listen to yourself when you're listening to stuff like that and i'm also very leery about falling asleep with something like that on because we're very programmable on a subconscious level right and we're also very easily affected by things like frequency right <clears throat> and 
you don't know what the intention is of this person that is putting this out there, right? And so someone has this gigantic platform and there's all these people that are like, I want to activate my crown chakra. And I mean, I think we can all agree on, on, there's only a certain level that you can get to without probably compromising in at least certain areas, right? And so if someone is getting 500 million views on their crown chakra video <clears throat> like if it was really activating your crown chakra it probably they, they wouldn't let it on there you know what i mean right and <clears throat> there are people that all they want to do is create negativity in other lives right and for example crystals right we we talked about you can leave your intention in in a crystal right or 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 you can you can alter that thing's frequency and one thing that i say feels like when you buy crystals the first thing you need to do is cleanse them like before you try to tune into that frequency it needs to be cleansed because there are people that will go to the crystal shop and just try to leave nasty shit in crystals they'll go they'll touch it and then they'll put it back Right. And they know that somebody's going to come up and use that thing and tune into that frequency. And now you're getting their garbage. Right. And so I think that when you're listening <clears throat> to different frequencies or different, even watching videos on, on Instagram, like there are people who are doing like mind manipulation or, or, or like legit magic on 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 your psyche right that we don't perceive it's just and so if you're watching something or listening to something and it makes you feel sick or it makes you feel uncomfortable or it makes you feel funny right then don't 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 listen to it and i especially like some of those five hour videos that like the lucid dream videos or whatever like you don't know what is being played at three and a half or four and a half or five hours right you've got this frequency that's bringing in you into a theta state right which is like basically what you enter when you're hypnotized right and so you're very programmable and malleable we've all seen like some of the crazy things that people can do with hypnotism right but so you've been brought into this vulnerable state with this frequency and now it's, you can be exposed to whatever it is that this person's trying to do to you. I'm big on being too careful, right? As opposed to like, and granted, like when it comes to my my practice and and and, and chaos magic and stuff, it's like I'm gonna jump in, I'm gonna figure it out, dude. And it's like I'm gonna try this, and it, maybe it blows up in my face. I'll never do that again, right? So there's all kinds of stuff that I'm about trying, but as far as like letting something or someone or even if it's a sound like letting my guard down and letting that into my consciousness right at that point i'm not driving and that makes me uncomfortable and so there's probably really good videos out there that are very good frequencies and we the the benefits of sound baths and things like that are absolutely incredible i'm not i'm not taking anything away from that i'm just saying i think that it's something that we need to be very careful with because like we don't perceive the the difference between 432 hertz and 440 hertz right this was something that people way smarter than me with way more technology than me figured out i think it was world war ii 
when they started using it, right? Which is the same time that we started using fluoride in the water and the same time that we started, you know, and so all of this is is connected, right? And now we're back to everything's a conspiracy. And so these things are very, very powerful, but they're not they're not measurable or palpable to us. Right. Or, or subliminal messaging, like we've seen Fight Club, where there's the picture of the naked dude that it pops up and you don't know you see it, but your brain knows you see it. And that that kind of stuff is very real. And so I would just encourage people to use use their 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 discretion and their discernment and to try to keep you know what I tell people is to keep your awareness in your third eye and in your gut. Right. As long as you're operating from one of those two places or both, like you're going to have a pretty good idea of how something is going to affect you or your experience. Right. And so if you're listening to something and your gut goes, man, this is kind of funky, right. Then turn it off. Just like when you're reading something, if it tastes like BS and it looks like BS and it smells like BS, then don't eat it. Cause it's probably BS, you know? And we, know these things we just convince ourselves that we don't know these things right like we just need to get out of our own way and stop humanizing things and stop rationalizing things and just listen to our 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 higher self and that's you know i hear people talk about the christ consciousness a lot right and and it it coming back so it's very big in the love and light community and uh, I, I like the ideology behind it, but where my brain takes that is like, where does that word come from? Christ, right? It, the, the Greeks use the word Christos, right? Which was a crystal. Okay. They found quartz crystal and they believed that it was the ice of the gods. And so that's what Christos means, right? Which is where the word Christ comes from. So what to, to operate, <clears throat> to be Christ-like is to be crystalline, right? And to be crystalline or to be Christ-like is to be operating of a vibration in a vibration of unconditional love, right? And it's, it's, it really is that simple to me. It's like, that's what we're here for is to just get out of our own way and let that drive, right? Which involves releasing the ego and releasing the trauma and releasing the suffering and just embracing the experience. Right. And I mean, again, these, these recordings can be really good, but yeah, I don't think we, I don't think we need that. You know, I really don't. I think we got everything we need. And I think that us learning and working with these different crystals are just like us interacting with other people that are going to give us a fresh perspective. Right. You know, Right. And that's such a beautiful way to put a ribbon on it. And I agree, man. I think what really is inspiring is what people do with the podcast in their own life. You know, I love hearing people tell me they like the show and they love to listen, but it's what's really exciting is when someone gets inspired and they're like, dude, I looked into my backyard and I found out that this river connects to this. And there was this business that did this and, you know, and they're, piecing together this puzzle that they didn't even know existed so close to home. And, you know, the same thing happened to me once I learned about Michael Wan, Susquehanna alchemist. And, and mm -hmm. another reason why I really liked your comparison to alchemy, because I do think that that's something that's a part of our lives that really they've mystified to the point where most people unfortunately remain ignorant to it their whole life this process that you can just tap right into and 
Sometimes it takes a crystal to wake you up. Sometimes it takes a traumatic situation. Sometimes it takes like, uh, you know, a prophetic experience of some kind. But I think at the end of the day, trusting your gut, trusting your third eye, that's something I can co-sign with. And Jeff, my man, this has been a fantastic conversation, truly. And uh, I appreciate you being here. Tell us where we can uh, follow up with you. I know you got some videos that I checked out on Instagram. You're posting anywhere else? Right now, it's just Instagram, man. I've got I've got my my podcast all set up, but again, like it started feeling like work, and so I just walked away from it for a while. I kind of <clears throat> started getting more active and and talking again over the last month or month and a half. I was I was real active there for a couple months and it just, I was doing four or five, six of them a week. And it, it, as soon as something starts to feel like work, I'm just going to put it down until it starts to feel like love again. You know, my Instagram is Hatter will happen. Hatter underscore will underscore happen. I have a lot of fun on there as far as just trying to exchange perspectives because, you know, of all the things that you just mentioned, whether it was prophetic experience or a crystal or suffering or whatever, these are all just perspective shifts right and i think that that's what we're here for ultimately i think that we all are all knowing right we all have this part of us whether you want to call it your highest self or this christ consciousness that we're talking about like we we have all of the answers and all the information but what good is all of the information if there's no perspective to go along with the information so that's what i think this experience is is to come here and experience all these different perspectives so that you can apply it to this gnosis that we already have you know and so whether it's somebody wants to argue you know or 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 tell me i'm wrong i love i love being told i'm wrong man because it, it really makes me look back at at, at myself and at, at what i'm doing and because i I'm very empathetic in that I want to try and see something from you. I want to stand where you're standing and understand why, why you're standing there and why you feel like you're standing in the right place. Right. And we might not agree at the end, but I think that debate is something that is important that we've kind of lost. It's we've gotten to a point where it's not okay to disagree with each other anymore. And I think that by disagreeing is how we grow. So if anything that I said was interesting, you want more information on it, you want to argue, whatever. I, I answer all my messages, not always right away. I spend a ton of time in the woods and I don't get service out there, but reach out. We'll talk. You know, I appreciate the the platform. I appreciate the opportunity to be heard. I appreciate the conversation. So you ever want to do this again, man, you let me know. Please. Yeah, I would love to. And uh, before we go, what do you have in the in the works for this year, 2022? You're going to be spending a lot of time in the woods. I am. I've got some some more road work going on. I spent about two thirds of the summer last year just on the road, living in my truck, working out of town. I spent a ton of time at Mount Shasta. It's a very special place to me. I was kind of called, I was, I mean, I wasn't kind of called there. I was called there in a dream and, and went and stumbled upon this, this family, this, this big gypsy family that lives there year round. They, they, they brought me in kind of did this, <clears throat> this off grid spiritual community thing for a lot of the summer. I spent a lot of time in Southern Oregon on the farm. My, I got family that is in the pretty big in the cannabis industry down there. And so <clears throat> I just want to experience as much as I can, man. I've got some road trips planned. I want to see, I've never been out of the Pacific Northwest, man. I've been to California. I've been to, I mean, I've been to Arizona. I've been to, to Nevada, but I've never been like East of Montana. I really want to get that way and feel the energy. I want to check out Crestone, Colorado this year. Um, well, exploring, man. 
Well, I know I you as little as possible. I know you West Coast folks don't uh, don't tend to think that there's much going on on the East Coast because there is so much on the West Coast. It's hard to compare. But if you ever do make your way out here, brother, I would love to show you around. There are places that I'm sure would fascinate you. And one place in particular, Herkimer, New York, for a crystal person, yep. you would love to go to Herkimer, New yep. York, brother. It's on my list, and so is Arkansas and North Carolina. I want to go where there's you crystals in know. the ground, man. You already know. Well, I might brother, take you up on that, brother. I might take you up on that. Please do, and I hope this is one of many conversations that we have here on the show. And uh, for those listening, thank you so much for tuning in. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with your lovely host, Mystic Mark. I think Jeff did a fantastic job of breaking down crystals, the science, and he also went deep and shared some really heart-wrenching things about his life and how he overcame those challenges, which I think is really admirable. And he was very brave to share all of that with us here on the show. And I hope that resonates with you guys. And maybe you'll feel inspired to buy a crystal yourself or find one. I've found some in the woods before along streams and maybe uh, along certain ledges, and mountains, things like that. Or you can go over to our Kofi store. You can find it on myfamilythinksomecrazy.com. We sell wire wraps. Me being me, made by yours truly. I've been wire wrapping much longer than I've been podcasting. Uh, wire wrapping, of course, is a type of jewelry. If you're not familiar, go check it out. You have uh, no excuse not to. If you've listened to a whole podcast about crystals, why not buy one from yours truly? Uh, we've had a couple people buy some so far. Uh, but anyways, thank you so much. Big shout out to Jeff and Today is a Wednesday special episode, so I have a two-parter for you. This next part is going to be with my buddy Alex, who joined us on a conversation with Andreas Exertus a while back. He and I talked about Tartaria when we were co-workers way back when, but I'll get into that soon enough. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. We had an amazing walking tour. Thank you to everybody who showed up. Shout out to Elle. Shout out to Rob. Shout out to Jay Hennahan. How to Kill a Sacred Cow podcast. And uh, shout out to Dave, a new friend who found out about the meetup through the HiresideChats.com. Uh, we definitely plan on doing more of those in the future. Big shout out, of course, to my girlfriend, Tara. She was there and helped out with the tour, added some context, and also took some really cool pictures that you can see on our Instagram. Go over to My Family Thinks I'm Crazy on Instagram. Those pictures will be up by the time this episode is out. While you're at it, join into the Telegram group. There you can find Rob and Elle and Jay and a bunch of other really great people that support the show. we got a great community there. Shout out to everybody in the Telegram you all rock and shout out to all the awesome people on youtube commenting and supporting the show shout out to everybody supporting the show on patreon we have a couple new patrons that are all about to receive spirit animal names that's right we're doling out some new spirit animal names sign up to the patreon if you want to support the show keep it going get a spirit animal name 
plus a bunch of bonus episodes. I apologize, I haven't been doing the Library of the Mystagog. I am moving soon, the library is moving. So we'll have some of those episodes coming back in April. Anyways, let's get to spirit animal names. So first up, shout out to Leo Cadia. Right on. You are Sundance Dragon. Wow, look at that. You're the Sundance Dragon. Sundance rep represents self-sacrifice. Dragon is probably one of the more sought-after spirit animal names, if I had to take a guess. Next patron, and we got to give a big shout-out to this guy, because not only is he supporting the show on Patreon, but he is contributing his talent. He created the Instagram page Loco Listens. He's been shouting out everybody in alt media united and i really dig that i appreciate it and not to mention he's also a local supporter so big shout out to you jake thanks for supporting on the patreon your spirit animal name is all right you got the phoenix card and the field of plenty card which represents ideas and needs manifested and to be honest you did come in big time for me uh you manifested or i manifested uh this sort of thing here where you know a while back i was like you know i really could be doing more to promote the show on instagram and here comes this guy who's like yeah i'll promote it for free i love the show i love to listen that's awesome that's synchronicity folks so jake Big shout out to you again, and your spirit animal name is the Manifested Phoenix. And last but definitely not least, we have Donna joining us on the Wise Guys tier. Big shout out to you, Donna. Your spirit animal name is the Mysterious Lion. Boom. You got the Great Mystery card, which represents the original source. You got the Lion card. Wow, a lot of really cool spirit animal names this round sign up on patreon to get your own spirit animal name as well as a bunch of bonus content i put the videos up there we also have our videos on rockfin if you like viewing the show rather than just listening to the show there are ways to do that let me know if you guys like some of the alternative video streaming platforms i haven't dedicated much time to BitChute or Odyssey, for instance, but I definitely have considered putting the show in those places. Let me know if you're a big fan of an alternative platform outside of Rockfin and outside of the big mainstream YouTube, and I'll put my stuff there too. I just want to know uh, where the audience is. I started putting some of my content on Float. If you guys download float.app, it's kind of like a alternative to twitter but it's also a great tool for us podcasters we can put all of our content on there uh, like instagram but even big content like a whole podcast or even uh, hour-long video so float is awesome i definitely recommend you check out float i know they're doing another float fest this year down there in texas that's really cool uh, but it's awesome to to do these in-person things. You know, the 322 meetup was great. Unfortunately, Amos wasn't able to be there. Uh, but everyone who showed up really helped me out in a big way. I think we altered the collective consciousness 
of New Haven, maybe in a major way, maybe in a minor way. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but undoubtedly, I think Skull and Bones is a mysterious organization that needs to be looked at further. And that's all I'll say. Thank you for being here. Please support the show. Check out our merch. The month of March Madness. Merch Madness is almost over. That's right. If you use the promo code MFTIC88 on our merch store, you can get any one of our t-shirts, a mug, a hoodie, free shipping. Look at that. Really awesome. Check out the merch store today. We got a bunch of designs. And if you like crystals, geez, speaking of crystals, we have a bunch of awesome handmade crystal wire wraps made by yours truly on our website go over to myfamilythinksomecrazy.com see them all under the little tab there it says shop and uh yeah all of them are made by me we've had two people order crystals so far order these crystal wire wraps so if that's your thing and you dig the episode today maybe you want a crystal made by me why not all right enjoy this two-part conversation with my buddy Alex. You can find him on Instagram at Fournier. That's four underscore N-I-E-R. On the mixer here, ladies and gentlemen, here we are in the extended in outro or yeah, extended outro for this awesome conversation with let's see, what is this episode going to be a part of? Uh, Alex my buddy is here with me. Alex, you don't know this, but every Wednesday I put out an episode with a sort of double interview. So like this conversation will go on the tail end of my conversation with Jeff Hunt, aka the Mad Hatter. So what a great conversation with Jeff. Alex hasn't heard it, so we're not going to talk about that. But here we are, two buddies reuniting. Well, they already listened to it. We're in the extended outro, so no big deal. But, you know, I got to give you credit because you really brought this whole mud flood idea into my life. Uh you know, obviously you didn't, you, know, you weren't researching yourself uh, so much as like the guys that you mentioned you were listening to, but it really kicked mm-hmm. off this kind of series of synchronicities where I started finding more and more examples of that. And it, it's become a really popular topic, but yeah, dude, it's just yeah. interesting to, to go back and be like, oh shit. I I remember when I had no clue about this thing at all, and now it seems to be like the biggest topic that people love yeah. to come to my episode or my podcast to listen to, like Tartaria, and it all goes back to that one conversation in that van. <laughs> yeah, five thirty in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah, that was fun. Not uh, exactly what you'd expect. What's that? I guess we could elaborate on how we met. Well, it's not exactly what you expect when your your boss is like, "Hey, uh, I want you to train this guy to uh, do the route on your days off." And everybody prior to you was like, for the most part, a non English speaking person who you know would fall asleep halfway through the drive, and then we would just you know kind of wake him up 
at every stop. But no, we ended up like hitting it off and talking about all kinds of conspiracies because I'm just that dude who can't shut up about it. And and I'm like, you know, we're going to talk about podcasts because I, I and my instincts were correct because you are already miles ahead of me on certain topics for sure, Tartaria. But yeah, that's kind of where we had our introduction we'll say right but there was there was something else kind of tangentially too that we met each other through right it wasn't just that how did we meet each other that's how we met isn't it right but there was wasn't there another like coincidence or something like you were part of uh not make haven was it or maybe like something yeah like you had been you had been going there and i had been going there but uh we just never crossed paths there but i was like oh yeah dude you should come to this place make haven you're like i already know all about it (laughs) whole foods i was working as a cashier at whole foods and that's what it was that's what and i was like damn this dude looks like he's ready for the fucking he's he's ready I don't know. You look tall, skinny. You had like, you know, cargo pants on. I was like, this dude's ready to live in the woods. That's That's a pretty good assessment of where I was at at that point in my life. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, it was like refreshing uh, compared to your normal New Haven liberal fucking Yaley, you know? Undoubtedly. Yeah. That's a big reason why I don't, uh, I don't regret not working at the farmer's market anymore because it just became fraught with all those people. And I'm sure you don't regret (laughs) moving out of there for sure. Uh, Yeah. So I, I went through a weird thing recently where, uh, I thought about moving back home to be close with my family and living in new Haven. And, uh, cause I went there to get my haircut, to get my little e-girl haircut at a cool little place called Skull and Combs. Also had to go to Ikea, but, um, I got a little homesick. I'm not going to lie. Walking around East Rock, my old stomping ground, kind of, I lived similar close to that. Yeah. But then I went back another weekend. My buddy was coming in from the city. Uh, I gave him a ride from, uh, from the train station. We went out to a bar and I was like, fuck this place. <laughs> I don't miss it at all. Right. So. Yeah, it definitely has its drawbacks, but I, I know what you mean. There is a sort of uh, landscape spirit energy going yeah. on in New Haven that I haven't quite placed yet, but I didn't know you get your hair cut at Skull and Combs. It's, what, what have you mm-hmm. learned about that barbershop? I mean, are they associated with uh, who I think they are? They're 32 degrees. Masons. Masons, okay, that's no, I'm just it. Kidding. It, was, it was just like some Mexican guy who cut my hair. Uh, I don't know. I think that it's just a cheeky pun on. It's a, it's a cheeky uh, play on words, you know. That's, well, they, that's as far as I, that's as far as I read into it. They do little like they do like the new mullets and those trendy haircuts that girls get. So hmm. I figured I'd hit them up. Hold on a second. My dog is like licking concrete. It's nice seeing you again, buddy. Agreed. I feel, agreed. Like, I feel like the world has changed so much. I mean, we we stopped talking around the time of, uh, or we stopped uh, hanging out. I moved out around the time of COVID. At that point, we were like, they're going to fucking, <laughs> they're going to max us all and shit, which they kind of did. I remember, I, mean, I remember having those conversations. Yeah, we were kind of like, 
yeah, on the sort of precipice of this, I don't think I even started the podcast yet at that point. It wasn't until after you moved up to Albany that I, right? It was like 2020 uh, fall that you guys went up there, right? And then we did that one podcast with uh, Zertis. Zertis, yeah. That guy's cool. Um, And that was that. Yeah, man. I I definitely was... uh, a hot mess on that podcast. I was I was saying um and like and no. nobody nobody no. could tell. I edit all that the ums out at the end uh in the post production. But yeah, so don't worry about that part. But I or maybe I didn't for that episode. That was a little earlier on. But at least for this yeah. episode I will get all of your ums and ahs. So don't even worry about that. Everybody right. makes that I feel, mistake. I feel I feel way more confident now. I can tell. I mean you uh you reached out to me after checking out uh Sam Hyde clip, which, you know, I also wanted to bring up I because him, I heard him talking Yeah, I heard him well, talking about deaf people. That was pretty funny. He has a point. Well you, have you seen the have you seen the White House the fucking uh have you seen the White House deaf interpreter? Oh yeah. No, I know exactly what he's talking about. I've seen it too and scratched my head like who's actually tuning in for this person? Like this looks like That's just it's just very clever to point that out because that's something that I think everybody notices, but no one ever fucking can like put their, like nobody, nobody has ever mentioned that probably before. Well, also if you want to pick a group of people who won't get offended from listening to a podcast is probably the deaf. I mean, if there's any group that you can't offend through a so podcast. Now, now, in that way, we're, they're on our side, for sure. <laughs> but I have to give you credit because I had no idea who Sam Hyde was. And you were like, oh, dude, you got to check this guy out. You would think he's funny. And he was very hard to get into just because he was, A, banned all over the place. And then, B, a lot of his content is very, like, enigmatic, I'll say, in a, in a funny way once you get the joke. But when you're not in on the joke... Okay. It has a sort of, uh, you know, it has a sort of like boundary that you have to overcome. But then when I found out about the Adult Swim thing, I'm like, oh, this is very similar to my, you know, the sense of humor I had when I was younger, before I was red pilled, before I knew about all this stuff, and uh, and I thought that dark comedy was funny. It's cool to see that he's kind of like red pilled, but not not like over zealous about it, but also like, you know, dark comedy. It's not everything I agree with, uh, as far as sense of humor, but it definitely, it definitely is anachronistic to what comedy seems to be doing right now. Hence why he's banned all over the place. I mean, Sam Tripoli says all the time, they're just like touch, but safe, safe, dangerous, you know? Yeah, well, comedy is kind of eating itself at this point because I think the uh, the Trevor Noah's. Although I know Trevor Noah is taking a turn now, he's getting all he's defending Trump and stuff, which is crazy. But I mean, you know, people like Stephen Colbert, who at one point, I mean, this is a dead horse. We all thought he was funny and shit at one point, but you know, once uh, the um, Overton window shifted so fucking hard, it's like they just became irrelevant, you know, and people like, you know, Sam Hyde and uh, this kind of like, I would call it like realism, like realist humor, even beyond, you know, uh, 
you know, being red pilled or whatever, like conspiracy, you know, I think it's what <clears throat> it comes down to uh, realism and like, I don't want to say nihilism, but uh, kind of like a uh, realistic sense of, hold on, my bird, my dog, birdie boy. He's uh, he's like licking uh, asbestos from the walls. Bert, come here. <laughs> he's his own man, but um, yeah, I'm glad you're. I'm glad uh, you're able to work that out. That's that's it's interesting that you were a pivotal part of that whole uh, unification. Yeah, I'll tell you, for someone who knows Sam Hyde, you'll probably appreciate this more than anyone else I've told, but it was definitely weird talking to him. Like, he's he's not, a, like, putting on a character. I think he really is that person all the time. I don't know how true that is. That's just my experience through emails. It's very nice, but it, I also could tell that he was also probably getting hundreds of emails and uh, I asked him to be on this podcast and he never got back to me on that. But he was at first he was like, yeah, I'm going to fly into the studio and do the podcast in person. It'd be way better that way. And I'm like, sure, go for it. If you I was almost like, are you trolling me? Because that sounds like a put on like you're, you're really enthusiastic about this. And then, yeah, it turned out that I get I don't know if he was just he was trolling me or not because he ended up not flying in, uh, but he did make it on Zoom. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know this because I told you all this, but it was supposed to be an episode for the main show. I ended up going behind the paywall because, you know, Sam just doesn't want to give somebody like an easy softball to go and say that their podcast is offensive. I mean, I was probably doubling your Next thing you know, your Patreon is shut down and you're fucking on the street. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what happened to Sam already. His Patreon's been shut down once before. So, yeah, it definitely is understandable. I felt like maybe doubling down, too, because they just had Gavin McGinnis on the week before. Uh, so, eh, you know, okay. I, I respect it. <laughs> that's funny. Gavin McGinnis. But are you... Are, are you following Sam Hyde recently? Cause I've definitely got more into him, uh, you know, along with booking him, I was like doing some research and just seeing what I needed to know. Like I do for every guest that I dubs mm -hmm. thing was hilarious. I thought that was great. It's a couple of that the guys well on the show agreed that. with me, but, uh, yeah. What, what do you think? I think he's just funny and I think he's like doing what he can in uh, this fucking hell world that we live in. <laughs> Do you I don't think it's, I think, I think it's like, uh, you know, he is who he is. I, I get it. I think people that get it, get it. And I think now more than ever, I think people that get it, get it. People that don't, are, they're going to fucking kick rocks and be brainwashed until they're fucking, I mean, but not, you know, I, it's one thing to not, get you'd like f fuck with someone's comedy right there's plenty of comedians that people say oh, oh and i just don't think they're funny but to be against anything or any kind of art or you know i think it's just politics i think politics have uh, ruined basically any sense of continuity that americans have as a happy-go-lucky society that is formed around the nuclear family and dudes being dudes, 
fucking talking shit because now you have like this fucking hybrid workforce, you know, where you can't say shit to anyone or else you'll end up, you know, getting fired. And I mean, that's happening, but it opens the door to an alternative universe, which is where people like you and myself live, you know, at least in some, some capacity. Cause I, in some ways are, am very much plugged in and, you know, have a mortgage and a nine to five job. Right. But I make sure to, when I, when I shut off, I just, I go home and it doesn't, it's not a part of my identity and stuff. And, you know, I don't think that I'm not working for a fucking insurance company or something where you might see them and say, Oh wait, who is he affiliated with? What did he do? What did he say? Right. It doesn't matter. None of that matters anymore. And that's the thing that, as I said, as the Overton window shifts, you're going to have more and more people joining our side. You're going to have burnt out liberals. You're going to have the fucking normal, um, you know, moderate people who are just watching their, uh, their old way of life being destroyed fundamentally from the top down. And, you know, they're all going to join, like everyone's going to join except the people who are literally the fucking guards and the prisoners in the hellscape that is the neoliberal American dynasty, which is collapsing. Well said. Yeah, man. I feel like there's also a certain aspect to Sam Hyde's comedy that we being sort of New Englanders, uh, <laughs> you know, if we could That's identify true. with our region, we being New Englanders kind of vibe with his style of comedy. There's a sort of like uh, feeling in that a- atmosphere here, you know, the establishment hey. being what it is. And, and I feel like hey. he really like pokes fun at that in a way that maybe he's not even intending on doing. It's just something that he does inherently because he's from here and you can tell that. I think we all do. I think everyone from here is like a little fucking crazy. Yeah. I was just out in, in that area too. It's like weird. Rhode Island's like split up so much. It's like, you know, half of it's Massachusetts, half of it might as well be Connecticut, you know? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's just, uh, you know, (laughs) rich white people. (laughs) Right. I don't know. I don't know how to put, I don't know how to say it any more eloquently than that. Oh man, Connecticut. (sighs) Well, and people, people hear that and they're like, oh, well, you're just jaded, you know, or like, it's sort of like uh, something that they talk about in the law of attraction circles too. Like, oh, you don't want to like have negative feelings towards wealthy people because then, you know, you sort of like in a weird way, like resist towards that energy yourself, right, you right, know. Right. So I, I don't want right. to come off like that, but I do feel that deep right. down like these fucking assholes, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was, that's funny you say that. I was in uh, New York City a couple of weeks ago visiting a buddy and uh, somehow we got let into this. So a friend of a friend works at some like fucking like Gigi Hadid, you know, that the model, like one of those fucking high society bars that you see fucking Saudi fucking escorts taking photos at. Right. Okay. So we like got, we got into one of those in Manhattan and uh, nothing against anyone there. 
fucking nice people. I can't even, but uh, yeah, I ended up getting hammered. And uh, all I remember is being outside <laughs> with a bunch of people. And I was so like out of my element. I just remember being like real fucking like rage against the machine, fucking uh, dead prez, like, yo, fuck these people, man. You see this shit? Like, ah, fuck out of here. And it like, I don't give a fuck usually, but being super wasted and like thrown into that environment, I totally like reverted back to my fucking like just hating that. But like, I, I don't know. I get it. Like, what would you do, right? If you if you're born into a dynasty, like, who's to say that like uh, you can't, you know? Do you know about the Gettys? The family. I'm familiar with the family, but not anything other than that they exist. I mean, I don't know any really? more more details. Why they? I'm sure they're they're in Connecticut somehow, right? Do you know about this? So, uh, I'm gonna butcher this, but so one of the Gettys' sons was this uh, fucking hedge fund kid, you know what I'm saying, multi-billionaire. And he basically uh, gave up everything to make this movie. And it's like this hor- it's like this horror movie, right? And it's the fucking weirdest shit I've ever seen in my life. And it's, I think they released it. So he, he was like, a total hair, like a uh, crackhead, right? And he's making this movie and he has just unlimited budget and directors are quitting. They're like, this is fucking retarded. Like, what are you doing? Cause it is, it's a, it's a horrible shit show of a movie. God almighty, maybe I can pull up the, the name of it. But if you look into it, this guy, he dies. Uh, he dies while filming the movie. He like overdoses in the house that it's being filmed in, like this mansion, and uh, the movie like never gets finished, and or it does get finished, but it gets like they had some some third party guy come in and basically clean up the shit. Yeah, let me see. If you, can you finding anything? I'm looking it up right now. It's not exactly. It's like the- the evil inside that's i think the name of the movie and it's like this it's like this tale of this fucking wealthy you know top society member who fucking like it's very dark it's very satanic but huh. you can tell it's like it's like so unique because it's this, this happened out in california tortured soul yes the same house actually that britney murphy died in i don't know if you know who that is but she was just like kind of hot actress in the early 2000s and she died there. Yes. I don't know. I don't know the time period, but um, yeah, super haunted, super weird. Is it Andrew but, uh, Getty? It might be. It says Andrew Getty spent millions of dollars in the better yes. part of a decade attempting to make his directorial debut as a filmmaker, only to see that dreams and then the quote cuts out. Let's click the YouTube. Hold on. Yes, that's it. Watch the trailer for this movie. You'll be like blown away. And the, so the father, the grandfather was like notoriously like an asshole. So like one of his, uh, one of the descendants, like the grandkids got abducted somehow, like they were traveling and someone found out they had money. So they like held him for ransom. And uh, the dude like chopped off this guy's ear and sent it to him. Like, and this fucking 
Getty dude was like, so he, they were like, he was such a hardened, you know, fucking old money type person that he was like, I'm not even going to pay his uh, ransom. Like, and they chopped off his ear and sent it. And like this, his whole family is just like, I mean, I can't speak on, I don't know them personally, but it's a pretty interesting spectacle if you dive into that, uh, that world. And it's just, it just brings me back to, um, that kind of dynamic with the rich, you know, it's like, it's pretty strange. It's It's interesting. You mentioned that because I did, I did have a guest on my show, uh, Mr. Brian Cote Noir, who retranslated and put together a museum quality version of the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. And at the beginning of our interview, he just like was like, yeah, the, the Getty Museum recently bought a copy of it. Like That wasn't oh, even yeah. like a question. Uh, he just brought it up. So, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I don't know how they made their money. I think it was like oil or something. Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the gas station. We used to go to the Getty down in New Haven. That was, like, the thing. Like, you'd be like, yo, go to the Getty and get me, get you know, get me this at the Getty. Like, that was always, like, that's that's what I think of when I think Getty is, like, being in New Haven in 2015 and 14 and 16 around those years and hanging out with the the dudes at the frat and and just doing that thing, living that life. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, stock images, anytime you see a picture of some fucking, it says it's got the watermark. So, I don't know. It's kind of, there's a lot of money in um, just owning archival material. Mm. Yeah. Which is why anytime I I get a chance, and I I, I go to estate sales often, and not as much this year because of uh, certain circumstances, but last summer, last spring, I spent a lot of time in, uh, deceased rich rich people houses and uh anytime there was any kind of books or uh magazines or things like that i would rummage through them and I actually i have an original world's fair uh like photo book from the fucking 1800s in my attic right now damn what would you find in there it's just all the pictures that you see on these uh, fucking like Tartaria people like reposting. It's like the OG. Like I have like the original here. Yeah. Oh, dude, we gotta. To my or I'll get a bunch of fucking crazy people showing up trying to rob me for my. <laughs> oh no, no, we won't tell them where you live. But we ought to do like if you ever scan those or something, we ought to do like a slideshow or something and check them out. So I was. Yeah, I was thinking about doing a ASMR read through to put on YouTube. <laughs> ASMR read through. Why? <laughs> you know how because people, people read books. I don't know. I think it would be funny just to have that. And it would I would be wearing like little gloves, like a I don't know. It was just a it's it's a wild thought, but no, I'm yeah, with it, cool dude. If you want, I'll set up that YouTube channel. We'll do it. ASMR reads, I'm into it. Yeah. I have a couple of ideas. Um yeah. Ideas are important, but I ought to find out. uh, Yeah, dude, shit. I want to go to some estate sales. I didn't really, I've always heard of those things, but I've just assumed that they were for like furniture and those kind of knickknacks. I never really thought of the possibility of digging through people's old book collections. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. And people usually overlook it because you get a lot of, uh, you know, vintage clothing is what's hot. So, mm. I mean, I collect that too, but usually that's where you see people, you see people 
you get different crowds, you know, but you have to show up early. Otherwise, shit is just pick through. You know what I mean? You like, you gotta show up like an hour ahead of time and just fucking just camp on those fuckers. Like, cause you'll get like the girlies that are trying to get the vintage little skirts and shit from the 50s. You get the old guys who are looking for like fucking gas cans and shit, like vintage gas cans. You know what I mean? Like, right. There's so many, the there's such a weird niches yeah so you're like walking through this house and you're just just scanning 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 and sometimes you see that thing and you're like what the fuck is this you know what i mean yeah and like think like that like the world fair world's fair book like i saw it sitting there i was like what the fuck like are you serious i think i paid like nothing for it. i paid like 20 dollars for it you know what i mean do you ever so, go do you ever go to that book barn out in woodbridge when you're down this way no they this area though yeah there's like a really weird uh bookstore it's like half of it's in a barn the other half's in like an old repurposed barn and uh, i only went through one half of it but i found a couple books on the world's fair and what's cool about this bookstore is everything is very old it's not like a you know refreshed used bookstore like you'd see in a city or a town it's it's very like you know, it fits the bill as a book barn. We'll just say yeah, that. But the, yeah, dude, the, you gotta you gotta tell me next time you're gonna you're gonna yeah. like come down because I think there's definitely some spots that we can hit up. And um, this coming Tuesday, I'm gonna be doing a free walking tour of New Haven uh, for anyone who wants to come. I think this episode it'll come out the day after. So no reason to plug it, but just for your sake, I'm going to be hanging out with this guy who I met in New Haven who really was like a synchro mystic like uh, teacher for me before I even really understood that concept at all. And that's not exactly what he would call himself either, but that's just how I look at it now. But have I ever told you about Amos and like the skull and bones stuff and Geronimo and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got oh, yeah. back in touch with that guy, and uh, yeah, dude, he's gonna be joining us on this little tour. So I'm excited, but we're gonna be taking a you walk. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Uh, no, I was gonna say we're gonna be taking a walk around New Haven, just by like the tomb, and then a couple other places. And I was wondering, with your architectural eye, if there are any places that stand out for you that you think I should take a look at before I finish you know my plan for what the tour is going to be yeah the route Mm. um yeah there's tons there's tons of stuff there uh the winchester mansion on orange street dude (laughs) uh, it was like a uh you know the winchester family they made a lot of money selling rifles in the of course Civil War. So they have a house in New Haven and it's like this huge uh, brownstone that I think it got bought by some fucking like Jewish uh, property company. I don't know if there's people living there. It's must be like five to six million dollars. But uh, that house is pretty cool. Anything like anything down orange, that part of East Rock. and uh whitney avenue because eli whitney the cotton gin dude like he has uh 
he built like that that whole city allegedly i don't know or <laughs> i don't know who was there before that but that's at least the narrative that these rich you know oil baron type people would come in and just build on they would build for the sake of humanity you know libraries things like that whereas now you just have the rich fucking buying plots of land and fucking hoarding wealth and being fucking assholes. I mean, I'm sure there are some philanthropic people, but, but I guess back then it was more society, societal, there was more societal acceptance in giving your wealth back to the people, even if just so that they can work for you and make you more money. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's kind of like the, the Henry Ford mentality where he wanted, uh, he wanted a, he wanted every person who worked at his assembly line to be able to afford the vehicles that he was uh, putting out. You know what I'm saying? Rather than Bezos telling people to fucking eat shit. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, uh, I, take I rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, speaking of rockets, did you know that uh, Parsons is from Springfield mass, which is like, you know, basically right above Hartford is like the sister city to Hartford or something like that. Or some, mm -hmm. I don't know if they're sister cities. I think Springfield sister city is something weird, like in another country or something or other. But, uh, but yeah, I was learning about all sorts of stuff concerning Connecticut and, you know, just diving into this mystery and talking about it a lot on the show and somebody who lives out in Italy who used to live in Springfield, Mass., reached out and was like, Hey dude, I'm inspired by your research. I put together this like research of my own, check it out. And he found out that there's a connection between Jack Parsons and uh, the Connecticut river. They were born there. And one of the first Connecticut witch trials was involving or Massachusetts, witch trials was involving hit one of his ancestors, this woman, Mary yeah, Parsons. Oh yeah. That sounds familiar. I know there's a lot of deep-rooted history in that in that regard because I'm from a I'm from a town called Weathersfield, and Weathersfield was debatably one of like the first town in Connecticut, and uh, they had witch trials there as well, and um, really crazy fucking shit, like crazy lawless. You know, it wasn't like nowadays when someone, you know, you go through the legal system, all that shit. Like this guy. So there were witch trials. There's also a guy who uh, lives like adjacent to my family's home where uh, I guess he, his business tanked or something and he, he went crazy and he, uh, he like killed his family. He like shot his whole family and uh, the town rather than taking trial, I think they hung him and then they dragged his body through the street. Wow. There was also a, uh, Native American massacre that happened in one of the homes that is like being dwelled in by some yuppie. I mean, I'm just assuming <laughs> some yuppie fucking family with, you know, two dogs and a kid. Yeah. Some unassuming a, nice colonial home. Yeah. It has a plaque on the, on the thing saying, this is where, <laughs> this is where the, uh, 
massacre, whatever took place. So there's a lot of a lot of really dark history around here, and I think it still kicks around to this day. To be honest, I feel like the New England area has a very very heavy. Uh, it's got a heavy soul, you know. It's just kind of old and. I think for whatever reason we ended up here, you know, and uh, we kind of interact with that maybe more so than more consciously than other people, you know. I mean, think of all the people who are just working for, uh, you know, for the pharmaceutical companies or Aetna or whatever fucking, you know, just doing the rounds. They don't even like, you know, there's like that too. So, but the pink all, boys. What? <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Church of the Subgenius? No. Oh man, we just talked to this wild dude, Reverend Ivan Stang, and their whole culture, their whole like subculture is like, you know, everybody in it is a subgenius and the conspiracy is out there to rob your slack and you know, people who don't get it are pink boys and they go along with the system, so to speak. Wow, that's cool. I, like <laughs> I think that. I think you would love the Church of the Subgenius. You should check it out. They're a bunch of like, they were around like making art, and a lot of artists were inspired by them. That you probably seen the Bob's Head thing. It's pretty infamous, even though most people don't know where it's from. Myself included, for many years. It's something that I think we're sort of coming to like you said like this cultural overton window where that bleakness that is the foundation of our modern society is eventually gonna bleed through the pores and this sort of fake veneer that's been a you know what america's been characterized as is gonna be kind of shredded away to some degree we're going back to our roots <laughs> right Oh, cool! Is this a pink boy? No, this is their. This is the Church of the Subgenius's prophet Bob Dobbs. He's a he's a traveling salesman who preaches the word of of Bob. That's cool. But yeah, it's just some some weird shit that I found, and and then we reached out to the guy who founded the thing, and he was cool enough to come on the podcast and tell us about it. But yeah. Just a weird, weird thing. Definitely recommend you check it out. That is weird. That's crazy. Oh man, I wish I had more time. I like I, I don't. Uh, I kind of am. Uh, you know, I know what I know, and I learn. I pick up little things, you know. But have you yeah, seen anything weird as... in Albany since you've been up there? Uh, I mean, you know, just your standard abject poverty and uh kind of a class divide of you know just it's okay honestly um i don't know it's a weird it's a weird place it's all kind of the same though you know it's kind of like a uh it's like a it's like an upscale hartford a little bit you know mm. well they have Hartford's that weird they have that weird egg thing in the skyline as you're going on the highway into the city. It's yeah, like the, the the brutalist uh, state capital situation. Yeah. What are your thoughts okay. on that with your architectural eye? I think it's ugly as fuck. I think that brutalism is meant to destroy your soul and make you fucking feel small. Um, I 
pretty much that's like what the objective is because it's all based to it goes back to like bolshevism and uh communism and whatnot where it's like the absolute like the state is the like god is dead the state is your new daddy and uh you know it's everywhere though every major city has it you know hartford has it Hartford was destroyed. Hartford was like the be- most beautiful city in the world. Like Mark Twain, I think, said that it was like the most beautiful city he's ever seen. But uh, in the '80s, all the fucking all the banksters and shit, and the you know big corporate people basically knocked down a good portion of it, cut off the river with a highway, and uh, it just kind of lost its identity. And now it's just a absolute hellscape. I mean, I don't know how much time you spent there, but I grew up, you know, five minutes south of the border and uh, it's not good. And every time I go back, you know, I think, oh, maybe it's changing. Maybe like, you know, there's some people it's still shit. It's still oh, I spent a lot of time there. I mean, we both know what being delivery guys is like. Uh, that's how we met. But yeah, when I was delivering for Amazon, I was all over Hartford. I remember seeing people like nodding out, standing in the street with an umbrella perched on their shoulder, like, so they would not get wet as they're nodding out, standing straight up like a zombie. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I mean, incredible things you could see in Hartford. A lot of beautiful architecture is still there. It's just, you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of those neighborhoods have gone to the level of like bleak, this that kind of like yeah i don't know i mean a lot of those buildings that's what happens they get condemned they get left you know and then they get knocked down you know that's that's very similar to albany holy christmas there's like doing something naughty up there but i'll just let him rock i'm trying to i'm trying to let him uh explore the house more well yeah you i mean you're rebuilding something like that yourself with this project uh on your house i'm sure that's been a learning experience yeah you get to really deal with the governmental bureaucracy but uh it's it's kind of goes back to the uh i'm kind of like the biggest thing that i can take out of all of it is kind of like what has been said by uh the kind of cliche uh how to win friends and influence people dale carnegie mentality of um it just pays to be good and like treat you you don't want to create enemies you know especially when you're dealing with like permits and uh governmental bureaucracy so i think once you show them that you're not just a complete babbling idiot and you kind of stick your uh, you let it hang a little bit like they kind of give you the respect that you need and it, things move smoothly because for a long time we were gridlocked for like dealing, you know, firing contractors and firing, you know, just real shitty, real bad. (laughs) And now, you know, you just work through it and you feel like at the end, you know, that it's kind of all worth it, but it's not for everyone, man. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I'd recommend it, but be uh, be very careful. Hold on a sec. Just sure. buying a house. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's not he's not the brightest. This one. He's I remember. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, oh, you're not the but. Yeah, so that's that's life. I guess that's where we're at. I hear you, man. Yeah, no, I I think. I think that's what, you know, going back to Tartaria makes a lot of that stuff so interesting because it really shows maybe an explanation for why they would pass up these beautiful buildings, uh, not just to recreate this sort of brutalist fascist landscape or not recreate, but create it, uh, but also maybe to take us away from that, you know, whatever that magic was that those buildings had. Uh, call them Tartaria and, or whatever you will. A lot of people talk about how yeah. there's sacred geometry involved in the architecture and, you know, the energy of the land was taken into consideration and the water features were taken into consideration. And you just don't see that with the modern glass and steel and concrete. <laughs> what is he, chasing a poltergeist around there? He might be. <laughs> uh. It's a little ski here right now. <laughs> um, who knows, really? I um, I got into the Tartaria thing for strictly for the um, archival photos, right? That's like the main thing that that when I started, when I discovered like uh, Joseph Levy, I think was the first person. Then you, you you know you dig a little bit, you meet these other people. Yeah, it's just about just cherishing what you have at this point, what's left of a uh, kind of like the, the beautiful, the beautiful um, spiritual forms that take place when people decide to build for the sake of beauty rather than um, profit. Mm. And I guess profit. I don't know. I don't know why people build now other than money. I, I think, well, the thing is people do, you still, you still see beautiful architecture being created, but usually it's, you know, you need a lot of money to, to build it. You know, a lot of these people who are, you know, support brutalism or brutalist architects, you know, like you look at their houses and it's, you know, it's kind of a different story. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, they leave their work at home. Uh, yeah, they don't bring their work back home with them. I guess is the maybe a one way to say it. But yeah, man. So you know, given your your job, you're still driving to some degree. It might not be the same as dropping packages off house by house. Do you get any time to listen to podcasts? You listen to any funny podcasts that maybe I don't know about? Comedy podcasts? What have you been listening to lately? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I listen to some kind of, I guess, uh, I like to listen to a little bit of political, uh, I've been listening to, uh, Shane and Matt's secret podcast. Mm. I don't know. It's pretty, it's kind of, it's kind of normy humor, but it's, no, it's I good. listen to it. I like it. I'm a, I'm a Patreon subscriber to Matt and Shane's. Secret yeah, they're podcast. cool. They're, they're uh, they're chill. You know, it's it's like, it's like a, a warm blanket. You know, just hearing a bunch of kind of old, not old guys, but you know, 
guys that have their shit together just rattling on about you know whatever same thing I I think they're a lot more agreeable with at least my point of view when it comes to like conspiracy theories and whatnot. That's, that was a big reason why I stopped listening to a couple comedy podcasts is because they were just taking all the COVID talking points and making them a part of the show. And it just lost all its luster. I'm like, Oh, these guys aren't outlaws. Like Tripoli is like, and you know, Shane, he was kind of like, I just, a normal comic until Saturday night live roasted him like that. And, uh, and did what they did to him. I don't know if roasted is the right way to describe it, but ever since then he's been, you know, unafraid to push boundaries. But I mean, the guy went to West point, you know, so he's definitely not like a conspiracy theorist. I think Matt, uh, Shane or Matt kind of brings that angle in. And then Matt's uh younger brother, does a podcast called war mode which is all about conspiracies which i think that show deserves to be mentioned because it's like uh it's like matt and shane's secret podcast with like a whole bunch of red pills sprinkled in (laughs) that's cool yeah i mean when you're cut from the same cloth it's it's funny that's cool i I gotta check that out yeah i listen i listen to the, the podcast inside my mind that is constantly raging (laughs) just trying to fucking uh you know just keep uh keep the good vibes going because it's a it's a crazy world we live in man and uh you know i'm not one to get all fucking you know alex jones about it but you know it's like the world is pretty fucked up right now and like, I don't think we could have ever predicted that society would take such a fucking hard, like, right, like just shift so hard, you know, where it was, it's like people you might've been friends with, you know, like you just see them like dissipate, you know, it's like they're, they turn to dust and it's like, you know, you lose friends and this is not even on like a, red pill like hey do you know about the federal reserve like not even like doing shit like that like hey do you know about like do you know about big pharma <laughs> do you know about like bioweapons labs that people that do you, do you do you know that governments actually like experiment with these things like people don't give a fuck like people are so zanned out that like you just lose like half your like every year like your your friend group just like just cuts in half (laughs) i mean unless you're in unless you're in the right i mean i'm speaking personally from kind of the uh you know like i don't have too many friends that you know other than you and a couple other friends that will you know not just fucking just go along, you know, or at least be willing to, at least just be willing to listen to you, you know, unless you're talking about fucking the Super Bowl or that. (laughs) Yeah. Tom Brady out of retirement again. And like, I should go fucking repost it. I should, I should go, I should go to Tom Brady and give him a hug for saving my, for, for saving my marriage. (laughs) I definitely, I mean, 
I'm with you, man. It's hard. That's one of the big benefits I've found of doing this podcast is before it was like yeah. few and far between who I could talk to about this stuff. And now, you know, I have plenty of people that will join me on my show to talk about it. And I'm really grateful to have a bunch of people who, you know, like the show enough to be in our telegram and they're always there just like chatting about stuff. So now it's like really never an issue for me to be like, Oh yeah. Who am I going to talk to about this stuff? Cause I'm just like surrounded now, uh, at least electronically by a bunch of people who are also thinking about this kind of stuff, which is cool. comes with its own drawbacks though, as well. You know, it's definitely like a weird sort of thing in the 21st century, you know, it's unique to the 21st century, right. To have all these like people who, know you but you don't know them but they know you in some way because they listen to your show and then like you have other people who like really think they know you and they're like hey i'm i'm your biggest fan or whatever and you you get that and you're like i'm honored but at the same time i'm a little weirded out you know no offense <laughs> thank you appreciate it but at the same time it's like i'm just a normal dude chill out <laughs> which is why it's refreshing to talk to you <laughs> oh yeah likewise yeah it's it's always it's always good times and it's never, you know, people like us got to stick together and which is why I'll plug my Instagram here. Any of y'all listening, feel free to follow me, talk to me, whatever. It's uh, a underscore. Well, yeah, I'll, we'll do it later. No, I was going to, I was going to let you do that. I was also going to ask you like, have you ever thought of starting your own podcast? Cause I know you're more, the artist type and if people are interested in mm -hmm. some really dope art definitely check out alex's work i know some of it's on your instagram right you still have that uh, account up as well right so i actually so i deleted that that's what i was doing tattooing that was kind of my art account um i don't know during covid i kind of freak like i, I don't know i stopped tattooing because of uh you know certain reasons that i won't get into but if you're a tattoo artist in uh, the underground community, you know, there aren't many people who are keen to our uh, opinions on certain kinds of, um, you know, medical mandates. So I was like, fuck this. I'm not going to deal with that. I don't want to have to fucking explain myself because fuck it they don't matter and i just deleted it so now i have my personal account which is where i'm trying to kind of blend everything together and uh just represent myself as a online avatar <laughs> well i was gonna say you gotta start a podcast bro you said you had this all your own inner podcast going on in your head have you ever thought of just recording some of that while you're driving i know i've been there when you're driving, you're like, ah, oh, I gotta say this to somebody. I, I have fleeting moments of really divine, like, uh, you know, I'm walking, I walk around the mall all day and I see just the fucking state of humanity every day. It's like, crazy you got well that. that's i mean that's one hell of a petri dish to examine the mall <laughs> well it's really cool it can get draining but it's also like it beats having to throw fucking you know like going out in the sticks and dealing with fucking crazy rednecks you know that are 
Well, yeah, up there in New York, I'm sure it's a whole different story than what you can get into in Connecticut as a delivery guy. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's it's uh it's country out here. Like if yeah. it wasn't for New York if it wasn't for New York City, New York State would be completely Republican. If you didn't have I mean Republican. Like what the fuck does that mean? But like people are basically like fucking ass out here, like just do like farming and shit. You know what I mean? Right. Oh and, no, uh, it's definitely a red state minus New York City. I'd get where you're going with that. And like I've Hudson, seen Hudson it. Valley. Oh yeah. I mean that's liberal. You have these little pockets, but even like the city like uh Saratoga Springs, right? It's like old money Vanderbilt racetrack. Like so it's a city. And you get these like cool people, but a lot of them are fucking like serious, like blue butt, blue blood Republicans. Like I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but just like actually racist and like elitist to the right. You know what I'm saying? Which is oh, yeah. interesting because you don't see that. It's like you only see that in like Newport or like <laughs> you know like those old old money, or maybe out in the Hamptons. Yeah, no, I mean, and you definitely have that in Connecticut as well. I mean, I I that's true. interacted that with true. those folks before here for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, comedy mm-hmm. is uh, is a medicine that I wouldn't be able to go without in these times. I mean, Matt and Shane's sure. Secret Podcast, Legion of Skanks is another one, and all of Sam Tripoli's podcasts are funny to me because i work for him and i just think he's he's funny and like even i i don't know this probably sounds weird but things that he does that maybe other people wouldn't find funny i think are hilarious sometimes just because i i know him so but uh but yeah i'm i'm really honored that you you checked out that video i'm sure you had to subscribe to rockfin so be sure to follow me uh now that you're on rockfin sure sure man yeah (laughs) What do you think of Rockfin? I mean, as someone who's going there just for that one video, what's your thoughts on the rest of Rockfin? I don't know. I don't know. I just fucking, I need to, I need to dive in a bit. I can't, I can't really speak on it. It's like every other kind of alternative. uh, Where do you normally go on the the internet? Like what's a typical day if you had a day to spend on the computer? Like, so Okay, so I have Instagram, which is a fucking cesspit, <laughs> mainly, but I can still catch my cool, you know, architecture, memes, you know, funny, haha, just like absolutely retarded meme type shit, which, you know, is like near and dear to my heart. Um, kind of like destructive, though, that could be a psyop just to keep me fucking like retarded. It's it's funny though. I don't know. I, I enjoy that. Or I will go on BitChute, which is cool. It's definitely fucking. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been on there, but I have a I have an account on there. I didn't, I never posted any of our podcast content on there. Maybe one video, but yeah, no, I have an account. I've just never dedicated enough time to put my stuff on there. But I should. It's a whole yeah, different audience. Cool. It's, um, I use it for like geopolitical reasonings. I like to hear like people who are absolutely batshit crazy talking about like, uh, you know, different, um, 
no, but I shouldn't say that. That's like a, that's demeaning to people like us, but I like to just hear people's different opinions. And honestly, like I hate spending money. <laughs> like, you, you know, YouTube used to be such a crazy place. Like, I don't know if you remember like early YouTube, but like you could watch, there was, it was just uncensored. You could see like videos about like nine 11 and fucking like, you know, even like, I remember like when the, the, um, the incident from Connecticut happened, you know, that was like, I, I was fucking, I didn't understand what was going on. And like, there's this shit, all this shit circulating on YouTube and it became like mainstream to a degree where like my friends were talking about it, you know, friends that now are fucking just like totally out to lunch. You know what I'm saying? But like back then you didn't have this like crazy censorship where like if you fucking talk about anything, you're just going to be fucking either shadow banned, really banned or like extricated from society, you know, which is where it's heading. I think, which is why people in this community, I think should steer clear of any core, any kind of like mainstream corporate, like any of the big ones that we all know, I think, I don't know. I, I don't see a bright future for anybody trying to get their information out on like that level. Agreed. It can be done. It can be done though, which is like interesting. Well, what's funny is my buddy uh, Alex, my buddy Alex Stein from the Conspiracy Castle podcast, he has started basically uh, jumping in on these city hall meetings that they have that they're doing over Zoom now because of the pandemic. And he's like, yeah. I mean, I typed in the word, no lie, I typed in the word comedian and Google searched it and he was in the top five results uh, for the news section on Google and for just doing like these funny rants at, you know, during his allotted time at these city hall meetings that anybody can sign up to be oh, a part yeah. of, even if you don't live in that no area. Oh yeah. He's all no over the way. news, man. It's great. And even comics I've heard are talking about what he's doing and he wouldn't consider himself a stand-up comedian, but I definitely consider him a comedian. He's, I mean, my favorite was when he, he went on the Portland city council meeting and they were like, they're like, uh, he was saying something about, uh, you know, I'm gay Antifa. And then they were like, all right, Alex, we, we need you to stop talking now. And he's like, are you guys banning me because I'm gay Antifa? And then, then this clip got like replayed over and over by all these people who basically were, you know, quote unquote Antifa, or at least thought they were Antifa. Yeah, yeah. And they're they like, like, look at this guy, the city council's banning him. And meanwhile, he's, you know, he's a Republican dude from Texas or, you know, not, I don't want to say he's yeah. Republican, but he's definitely more conservative for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sitting on top of the throne, you know, just fucking looking down. That's cool. That's really cool. That's like what we need more of, I right. think. Oh, that's actually interesting. I don't know how much longer you want to go, but I fucking, uh, so I went to a town council meeting, a neighborhood association meeting, rather. I was invited by a neighbor of mine and, um, man, these the way that town politics works is such a pissing match. Like it's, uh, it's just, um, oh, so it's these people who, Concerned citizens who are like, 
don't know what they want. And then the town being like, fuck you. We're putting a apartment complex in this park that's been here for 30 years, you know, or like a hundred, whatever, you know? And, and it's just this fucking all out pissing match between these, you know, kind of, you know, you get the young people. So I, I kind of sat back the first time I went, I showed up late. Everyone was looking at me. There was like a cop there and shit. I was like, Oh my God, what is going on? And uh, they were talking about this, this, this project that's going up. And basically they're just like, fuck you. We're building this. And you know, you have all these town people who are like getting angry. You know what I mean? And I think the anger thing is like, that's why the fucking truth community quote unquote and people who are like woke on this shit end up getting fucking thrown in mental institutions and like totally just extricated from society you know because it it gets you so fucking mad you know and like i see it and how these people are they're they're just pissed that they're not being heard and i think like what your friend is doing is the fucking that's that's how you get them you know mm. you just get them laughing and then that that's how you change people's perspective absolutely i mean he's been like uh asked to leave the you know local dallas city council place several times because he's done this you know bunch uh, but it only recently occurred to him i guess to go and do the ones over zoom and yeah he's i mean I can't even call him anymore. He's always doing these freaking city council meetings, but yeah, it's definitely working. I mean, the latest one he was, he did a rap song about Ukraine. Uh, but the most famous one was this rap song that he did about, uh, COVID and he was pretending to be like a nurse for, you oh, know, more, yeah. you probably saw yeah, it. More. Yeah. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's Alex. He's been on the show a couple times, but yeah. Nice. Nice. That's, that's my kind of dude right there. That's, that's like when you fucking let it hang, that's like, that's what we have to do. You know, we got to just let it hang now. There's no time to capitulate, you know, cause it's fucking glaringly obvious what's going on, you know? So it's like, and everybody has their own way to contribute, you know, not everybody could be like a clown and, and play that role. And, and, you know, some people are more inclined to do the podcast thing. Some people are more artistic like yourself, but yeah, man, I think, you know, chopping it up here with you, I think should become more of a regular thing on the podcast. We should have you on more often whenever you're ready, maybe even as a, a co-host, if you're down to join when we uh, have another guest on, you know, depending on the guest, if you're interested and, uh, yeah, let me and tell, tell everybody. I where, work with people. Yeah. I've man. Been living under, I've been living under a rock for the past two years. Well, I definitely think you have no excuse knowing me, uh, <laughs> and not, you know, joining me on the podcast. I think, you know, you definitely, um, you know, it's not something that you could just jump right into and be great at, but you definitely are an interesting person with a lot of interesting things to say. And yeah, man, I definitely would be down to have you back on more often. But if you want to tell people your Instagram like you were before so they can get in touch with you, if anybody's interested in checking out 
your stuff. You do have some art that you used to post on Instagram. I don't know how much of that is still there, but uh, you're you're always taking pictures of really unique stuff. So for the Tartaria people out there, I think his account is definitely yeah. worth checking out. For your average Tartaria enjoyer, you will enjoy my account. So you can catch me on basically... Wow, I'm, I pretty much only have an Instagram at this point. Uh, the way you spell it is A underscore numeral four, N-I-E-R. So that's my first name, Alex underscore, or A as in Alex underscore Fournier with a four. Right on. And uh, you can also catch a song. I actually just made a song, put it out. Um, my musical name is Father Panic, one word. You can catch it on SoundCloud. Uh, the link is in my bio to my Instagram. If you like it, spread it. Definitely, I'm very proud of it. Uh, I made everything. I made the vocals and the drums and the guitar myself. And uh, Can I use it for this it. episode of the podcast? Yeah, dude. I'll put it, in sure. the, I'll put it as the outro so people will hear it like right now. That would be cool. Love it. All right, dude. Well, shit. I didn't even know you were into music like that. That's really cool. Very cool. Yeah, I just, I just made it. I just like put it out. It just kind of spoke to me. I, so it's just one song, but I've been like working on music, kind of. That's like where I've been spending a lot of my time and energy has just been doing shit like that. Cool. Well, so I like I said, man. We definitely need to do this again. And for the folks listening, be sure to hit up my buddy Alex on Instagram. Let him know that you liked tuning in to this episode. And thank you so much for being here. 